You're listening to Live Wild with me, Hilary Rose. Live Wild is the podcast that is a reminder for you to sometimes just have a good laugh and mostly at yourself. With that in mind, this episode's guest is none other than my old mate, DJ Jenny Green. Jenny is one of the foremost DJs on the Irish dance scene for many decades. The Electric Disco on 2FM is one of the longest running and best loved radio shows in Ireland. Jenny's most known for filling dance floors across the country, but her sellout gigs with the RTE Concert Orchestra draw thousands of people out to party. And if you haven't been to one of these gigs yet, then all I can say is treat yourself and get yourself a ticket to the next one. But I remember going to the stage then, going around um, just before, about 15 minutes before we went on stage and I walked around, I was like, holy God. Like the tent I think held 9,000. It was full and there was about two or 3,000. They reckoned it was about 11,000 there in total. And that was before we even came on. Jenny! I was standing out the back and I remember my mum and dad were at home in Cork and I rang my mum and I, I was bawling crying on the phone. She was like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? I was like, nothing, mum. There's loads of people here. She's like, what do you have to take? And I was like, I haven't taken anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm just telling you. I've never I've never stood out in front of this many people, ever. I was just, it was such a, a weird, like, really emotional feeling. This is an epic two-hour feel-good chat where we discuss her love of music, how it shaped her life, how she unwinds, being honest, and basil chocolate mint. Jenny and I have known each other for quite some time. We rarely see each other, but we always manage to pick it right up where we left off. And that involves a lot of laughing, mostly at ourselves. You can find out more about Jenny and her gigs on djjennygreen.ie and on her Insta at Jenny Green. Enjoy the show. Oh my goodness, it's Jenny Green on the Live Wild (gasps) podcast. Listen, uh, oh my goodness, it's Hilary Rose. Uh, what a special day for us all. Oh my word. I'm going to call it straight away. I'm going to say Irish music icon right here on the Live Well podcast. Yeah, I know you're making faces at me, but I'm, I'm going to call it. I suppose to be fair, it's a small country. <laughs> <laughs> and as well as that, can I say, so happy to have my pal of many years on the podcast. We worked together before, we became pals. It was awesome. And then you've interviewed me several times actually on 2FM for various mm. other projects. So you, uh, like, I feel like you're returning the favour to me now by coming on the podcast. So thank you very much. I owed you that at least. And um, I'm sure over the course of this chat, we'll get into how we met each other and what exactly it was we were working on. Um, but we'll keep the detail of that fairly vague because I don't want someone to look it up. Oh my goodness. Okay, I have to remember that myself. But I did look up stuff about you because I was like, do you know what? I'm going to have to do my research. I know I know Jenny, but I have to do my research. I oh. never knew, Jenny, oh. that you were an astrophysicist and supermassive black hole specialist. Never knew it. I am, I am so glad that you brought this up. So thank you. Because I was only having a debate with myself this week. And I, this is really sad. But I went, I nearly need to write a Wikipedia page for myself purely because I got onto Google twice and said will you please remove the date of birth and the detail for me because it's not me mm-hmm. and everyone keeps saying my date of birth such and such she's 43 and I'm like I'm, I'm not 43 I'm also <laughs> nobody cops that oh well, she's not an astrophysicist it mustn't be her they go oh no she's not an astrophysicist but I'm gonna print in the paper she's 43 I'm like I'm not <laughs> so it's a different Jenny Green 
I have contacted them twice and they have said that I can't prove that I'm me so they won't change it. What? So yeah, so hopefully this this podcast episode, oh, it'll, which it'll go global. It'll clear it all up. So tell I us know. about your past as an astrophysicist. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I, I just, you know what? I, I First of all, I went, what? I never knew that. And then I went, hang on a second. Come on, Hillary. And then I was like, not that you couldn't be, but that like, you know, you can't really, you can't believe what you're really I thought your first thought would have been, God, she's looking well for 43. <laughs> but it clearly wasn't. <laughs> I didn't because I just went, I don't know what that date of birth is because I can't do the math. That's why I'm an actor. It actually <laughs> says it beside it oh, in it? brackets just in case someone can't figure it out. I'm like, my birthday, by the way, for record, is the 8th of April, 1982. It's not October 1979. So I'm putting it out there. Hey, there's nothing wrong with 79. I was born in 79. Just you were not, were you? Yeah. I thought we were the same age. No, I'm going to be 43 this year. Have I just offended you now? We've only started. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a whole hour of offence somewhere back and forth. You no, can get me back. I'm not. I actually, do you know what? I like. I I'd have to think about my age in the sense that if someone asked me my age, just because we've brought it up, I'd I'd mm. just be like, I don't know really what age I'm because mentally I still think I'm about thirty five, between thirty two and thirty five. Yeah, that's where I kind of feel I am at but then like physically I'm like mm, I'm a lot slower than I was <laughs> I actually had a fall would you believe about two weeks ago and I put oh, it no. in, I put it in inverted commas I was like, even the way you said had not like I tripped I no, had a fall no I had That's... a I had a fall I slipped as I was walking I slipped I fell I landed very very badly I really 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 hurt myself and I got up and I went this is what this is what the older generation talk about when they say they've had a fall. I'm like, I oh my, am I moving into that generation? Surely you not. Get, you didn't have to get a hip replacement right now, did you? Just yet. I did, <laughs> you know. But I was like, I'm 42 and I've had a fall. Oh my word! <laughs> Look, I think that was that was just an act. could have happened to anyone. Could happen to anyone. Could exactly. happen to anyone. Um, Jenny, let's go back to the start of like, I mean, first off, you've had, I, I think it must be one of the longest running shows on 2FM. It's how long is Electric Disco? 12 years? 13 years? I'm longer? Actually, I'd say, um, well, I'm thinking I'm there 15 years, I think now. Crikey. So it's probably 13 or four. I would think I was there. I don't even know the exact date. My, my mom is great. She'll tell you the date, the time, everything. Oh. But I reckon... I was probably there about a year doing Friday nights before I started doing the electric disco. So it's probably 14 years now. It's going something like that. That's incredible. That's a that's longevity, really and truly, in a career that sometimes doesn't have that, you know? it's Yeah. It's, it blows my mind. Again, when I was doing my research, I was like, that's... Like, I remember, you know, before I knew you, like, sitting and listening to the radio show, you know, when I was back DJing as well. So it was like... That was a long time ago. It's a long time. <laughs> and it's funny because I remember like when when I started doing that show, it's mad to think it now. Nobody was playing old school dance music on any radio station. It wasn't even yep. really played anywhere. Mm. Um, and we kind of said, I'll try it out and just see how it goes. And it was really well received. But mm. then as the years went on, sure, everyone was doing it. Every radio station, every middle of the road, every everything was doing one. And then... I also got to a point where I was like, I just can't keep playing the same old stuff every week, mm -hmm. even when you're trying to change it up. Um, and then there was a bit of reluctance when I said in work, look, I want to change it and I want to play new music. And they were like, yeah, but it's working. And I was like, well, if our, if our 
target audience is young people. Why am I playing old music? Mm. So, you know, and it was a bit risky. So I started by just introducing newer songs in between old songs. Mm. I got an awful lot of abuse on text while I was doing it. Did people you? were like, what is this shit? And I was like, if you want to listen to Insomnia, it's on Spotify. Yeah. If I hear yeah. it one more time, I'm probably going to rip my own head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just kept going and going. And eventually, I think possibly those people who wanted that music got it elsewhere. And then, I, you know, we suddenly then took on a whole new younger audience, which is mm. what I wanted. Mm. And and older, like, you know, it's, it's all age groups. I mean, older people, i.e. you and me. If we're called that now, oh. I, we still like like new music. I you can know, still I move. Woo. I can still move. Do you know? <laughs> but I st- I I love new music, and so do you. So mm. you know, we're getting young people and you know, kind of older people who are listening to the show. But mm. I just couldn't keep playing the same stuff and even getting booked for gigs they were like oh 90s dance party with Jenny Green and I was like it's not a 90s dance party and I won't be playing anything from the 90s and even those few first few gigs didn't go down well people were like I went to see her and she was shite and I was like I wasn't shite I just didn't play you know the old reliable stuff you know I'd play remixes of them just to kind of ease people in but you have to move because otherwise there'll be no longevity you'll just be gone then And I don't, as you probably know from your research, I don't have a fallback plan. (laughs) You don't have your PhD in astrophysics. I'm not qualified to do anything else, Hillary, so I need to hold on to this. (laughs) Actually, let's talk about that. Like, when did you find that music was like a real passion in your life? At what age did that start at? It actually started, I remember when I was four, um, Mm. my dad gave me a Walkman. And it, it was from like, do you remember, I think it was like the SO tokens. Do you remember there was yes. like Yes. And people would get suitcases and various random things. And one of them anyway was this little blue Walkman. It had like a, a neck chain thing on it. And the big, a little orange fuzzy headphones. Yeah. So he got me that. And then he gave me um, Paul Simon Graceland on cassette. Amazing. Favourite album. Yep. And Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Wow. And after that, I was like, this is, I just, lo- I sat in the back of the car on every long drive, just singing along, top of my voice, head wrecking for everyone else in the car because they couldn't hear the song, just hear me. Yeah. Um, and my, my party piece then was Paul Simon, The Boy in the Bubble. It kind of still is. Beautiful. Oh yeah. my God. Actually, my party piece was a Paul Simon song as well. Oh, that only on. came up recently. It was last summer I was at, um, we just had drinks afterwards after filming one day and um, which one was it diamonds in the soles of his shoes oh that's my other favorite it's beautiful it's really i lovely. took guitar lessons just to learn that song and ah. i learned it and then i said i'm grand now thanks i just wanted to play that can you still play it to be honest i don't know actually i have two guitars and they're sitting out in the garden in a shed but maybe one of these days one of these days if yeah. i didn't pick it out during lockdown though it's unlikely i know it? i know i've got a guitar in the attic and i'd say it's there 15 years as well and it's a beautiful guitar and it's probably rotting at this stage and i'm just like i had committed about 15 years ago to be like i'm going to learn spanish and i'm going to play the guitar this year that's it and that i think it's longer i'm going to say it's 20 years it didn't happen were you thinking of like setting up a gypsy king's tribute act or something <laughs> No, that I that I go and see. <laughs> Hillary Rose does the hits of the Gypsy Kings for one night only. I'm like, sign me up, take my oh money. My 
That would be amazing. I'd do that just for the crack. Wouldn't it be amazing? Or Buena Vista Social Club. Not that I could ever meet that standard, but that still holds up so beautifully. Oh, what an album. So I bought that on vinyl, actually, during lockdown. So I had it on on, on tape, I had it on CD, and I said, that'd be lovely on vinyl. Mm. It's just a lovely, lovely album. I always feel like I'm on holidays when I hear it. Uh, Same. I I actually tuned back into it, I'd say, about six months ago, and I'm still like, you know, it's the the first couple of chords of the album. You're like, oh. Oh, okay. Okay, that's It's just amazing. It's so good. Amazing. Um, so you got into music really, really young, four years old. How did it develop from there then? Um, I remember, so I then went and started trying to play. Obviously, I got a guitar and then I got a little small set of drums. Oh, and then I got I'd a say keyboard. I'd say your mother was thrilled with the drums. Delighted with the drums. Do you know I still have the drums? They are <laughs> they are in our attic room. I was probably about nine when I got them, and I still wow, have them. I said, amazing. "Kel, that might be handy for something someday." She was yeah. like, "For what?" But we have it. Um, and then when I was twelve, I asked for a set of decks for Christmas. My next door neighbor was a DJ. Wow. And his mum and my mum were best friends. He was a bit older than me. And I was like, God, Ben Carvasso. God, that's all I ever, I just, I was like, I'd love to do what he's doing. Um, and then I got a set of little um, belt drive turntables yeah. for Christmas. Brilliant. And um, they were stage line, I remember. And a little Citronic mixer. And then they got me like a guitar amp that I could just plug in as a speaker. Because I didn't need anything else. Yeah. And I just literally kind of picked up records as a you know with pocket money so it was a slow build yeah uh, my neighbor gave me a few records and he came in to me i remember on christmas morning to kind of show me but it's turn like mixing vinyl you can't really show someone you just have to keep at it and just 100 percent. and it's like painstaking but you just kind of sit in your room for hours and very unsociable but yeah i loved it and after that i was like this is kind of what I want to do. Wow. And also during my research, I found that when you started gigging, um, after a while, your parents decided to pull you out of school mm. because you were showing such potential as a DJ. Like that's, I suppose, like a controversial move now. What was it like back then? I mean, it was more commonplace to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I finished up school. But like you don't really see that much now. I suppose you don't. And I think what happened was because I was working for Pulse FM, the pirate radio station. Wow. And I had started with them when I was 15 and they closed down when I was 17 to apply for a license, which they didn't get. Spin ultimately won that license. Um, And when they closed down, I thought, what am I going to do? But actually, FM 104 phoned me and said, we're looking for a female to do a weekend breakfast. It was wow. kind of, it was probably quite tokenistic then. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. not anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I said, great, sign me up. So they said, come in and have a chat with us. So I went one day after school, I got the got the dart down to F104 in Ballsbridge. I was still in my uniform and I was interviewed by Colm Hayes. Oh my goodness. Because he was the program director at the time and he was also the presenter of the Strawberry Alarm Clock. So I think I started a few weeks later, but... When I came home, um, my parents, they were actually away when it happened and I had texted, I had phoned them to tell them. And when they came back, they said, look, we were just having a chat while we were away and we think maybe you'd be better off just leaving school. I was kind of, I was just in fifth year or halfway through fifth year, I think mm. at the time. 
Um, and if you were more available, you might get other work during the week because, and their reasoning behind it really was that I wasn't very academic. Mm. I had been sick for years, um, on and off and I missed so much school that I never was really able to catch up. I didn't sit my junior cert either. So mm. I was always so far behind that this didn't seem like a massive risk. You know, it was Brilliant. worth the shot Yeah, and it, and it paid off. So, and obviously I was ecstatic going, I'm not going back. Yeah, I just got Delighted. I just got goosebumps thinking of it like fair play to them, you know, for really having the foresight to kind of go, no, this is actually a really good direction for her. Yeah. And like you said, in the circumstances that it occurred in, it just makes so much sense. So it's it's really good that your parents tuned into you rather than kind of trying to force you back into academia and go, no, you must finish this and must fin-. like and look where we've pa- you've panned out like all these years later. It's amazing. It's a gamble, I suppose, it you is. know, but, you know, look, everything in life is a gamble, you know, and I've taken many gambles over the years since then some of them more stupid than the next but you know I'm still here touch wood that's it even like finishing school and getting a degree is a gamble no matter what you can't control any of these outcomes you know what I mean so it's it's brilliant that that you know like I said they had the the insight to do it uh I love as well the fact that you were you know DJing in clubs at such an early age that you probably couldn't even get into clubs unless you were DJing no (laughs) that was the thing like and you know and I always even when I was that age I always looked kind of younger than I was too so really they were like who's the child Um, (laughs) but I got um yeah I started doing I got a slot when I was in started in Pulse they got me into the Palace nightclub on Camden Street um back in the day and they gave me like a warm-up slot on a Saturday night I think it was like for an hour or something Mm. and the DJ box was I don't know anyone who remembers the palace the DJ box was on the top of the bar upstairs so you had to go up this really big ladder and walk across the roof and down and um they had to make me a special staff card because I kept getting stopped to the door and then a big row would start and I was like no no I'm here like I was on my own with it like my little bag of records, like you wow. know, where else was I going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was it was funny, like, and and then I, um, I had this great taxi driver that I'd made friends with, who I'm still friends with now, who um used to bring me in and out every Saturday because at least you know my parents knew I'd be fine. Um, and yeah. with him, with Paul, and I was only like 15 or 16 then. My goodness, that's incredible, Jenny. It really yeah. is. You know, I suppose you start clubbing, you kind of start sneaking into clubs from 16 onwards. But to be in the DJ booth, essentially, like, you know, that in itself, I I suppose as a punter looking up, that's a lot to look up to as well. Did you feel any sort of massive pressure or did it feel very natural for you at that time? I think I was kind of, I was obviously, I felt a bit of pressure and I was very nervous. But the only, I I suppose, positive I was, I was up in the roof and I was like five foot two. So no one could see me. Yeah. So actually, it's kind of easier. Like I'm thinking of all my earlier days DJing. Nobody looked at you when you were playing. You were just, and I love that. Mm. I would love to play a gig where everyone was just dancing and facing the other way. Yeah. You know, because you don't have to give it quite as, you know, you're trying to concentrate on what you're doing. Then you're trying to look like you're having a ball and you're like, this is exhausting. It is. Yeah. It is. And yeah. sometimes you really have to push yourself to get it. It's not that you're not into it. It's just like you haven't been out in the piss all night like they have. So you're sort of and then people go, God, she looked miserable. I was like, I wasn't like I was I was concentrating on what I was doing. Yeah. Oh, you're so, totally just engrossed in the music in your in your headphones, in yourself. Like yeah. sometimes that's different as well. Then you kind of go, oh, yeah, there's a whole crowd there. I should really like like you say, interact with. Yeah. 
and just do the. I used to do this thing sometimes where <laughs> giving away trade secrets. So oh, go on. But I I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sure every DJ does this, but. You know, some gigs you go to and you don't know any, like, I mean, at, at, you know, you get to a stage where you, like your mates aren't coming to gigs and stuff like that. So you just... Um, the novelty's worn off. They're like, nah, you're grand. There's a bit of the novelty worn off, but there's also like, there's a sea of faces that you don't know. And particularly when the DJ box is more intimately on the dance floor, mm. that there, like you said, there kind of, there can be, I used to feel, I suppose years ago, a little bit self-conscious, particularly yeah. if there's a light shining on you that you had to interact, like you said. So I used to do this thing where I'd be like, hey, hey, yeah. Like no. I would, I would point down to somebody at the back of the room that didn't exist. And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like hey, yeah, how's it going? Like totally interacting with somebody completely invisible. Oh, and then God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. people would like in the middle of the dance floor were going, Oh yeah, no, she's like, you know <laughs> She's <laughs> up where all her mates are here, her <laughs> gang, her gang. And then it's it depends as well. I find I always ask for the I don't know if you're like this, I always ask for the decks to be a certain height. I like them high as opposed to low because the yeah. higher the lower they are, the more awkward you look. Yeah. Um, unless they're, I like them like literally kind of where my hands are there so that I'm not like that. And even worse for you, because you're tall, like yeah. I'm not tall. Yeah. And the, like you'd come in and they're waist height and you're like, your head is bent over into it. Your, your back is wrecked by the end of the gig. Yeah. I used to try and get them. I used to get them up on, on the uh, flight cases. Yes. To try and give more, more height again, you know. Because otherwise you're kind of, you're bent down and you're trying to look casual. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> just, I'm just going to have time with your laces. <laughs> ridiculous oh i love it i love it um did you find as well like you said you kind of touched on it a while ago that um it felt like being a female in the industry was a novelty back at that stage did you feel that there was any pressure being a female in the industry in the early days i mean it's quite commonplace now to have both you know radio uh, djs and club djs that are female but i suppose when you started out and i would have been out around the same time it really did feel like a novelty did you feel there was extra pressure on you I don't know. There probably, maybe there was actually less pressure because I think people just expected it to be shit. Yeah. So there's a tiny bit of that too, isn't yeah. it? And when you weren't, they were like, oh, Jesus. And you wouldn't even have to do much. Yeah, but of course she can mix. Jeez, she can mix. It's not just a cake. She can mix that one, you know? Oh, I'm telling you. And as well as that, the great thing was because it was vinyl that I started on, mm. there was now, like nowadays you watch DJs, like, I do everything live. I don't like use a sync button. I don't even use cues. I use the CDJs as if they were turntables. Yeah, yeah. But anyone could watch me and go, sure, she mightn't even be doing that. And that's fine because a lot I've seen people who are literally doing nothing. So I'm aware of that. Yeah. But at least when you were mixing vinyl, they couldn't question whether you just did it or not. I'm like, well, you, I did. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, 100%. And I loved, I, I again started on vinyl as well. I loved when there was little original scratches and loops on vinyl. I loved, oh, no. <laughs> I loved that. You have a little scratch or a little bump or a little hook on the vinyl. And it's like, like yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know that it's coming up. You can actually see it on the vinyl. You know it's coming up. You're like, okay, I'm going to have to mix before that. Or I'm going to have to, you know, t- know, tie that into the set somewhere. I loved that. It was a real... And then carrying them was the worst. Man, like, I that was a nightmare. The carrying was like, I remember my parents bought me this little wheelie trolley, you know, like those granny trolleys that they put their shopping on. Like they bought me. I'm just going to Guyanese. That's exactly what they bought me. And I was like, my back was broken. And I just said, I'm not using that. I'd prefer to have 
a broken back they didn't use that I was so mortified that they even bought it for me and they were like okay she can't be told and here I am 20 years later with major back problems by the way <laughs> I thought you were going to say here I am 20 years later with that exact trolley going shopping I think I I, I will be <laughs> I actually will be. I'll put everything up on wheels at this stage oh, just to try and save my back. But the, yeah, I still have all my vinyl as well. Do you still have yours? I have all my vinyl. And when we, I always just left it up in the attic. But then yeah. obviously we moved house two years ago. So mm. everything that I had just thrown up there suddenly had to come down. Which was just like, that was so much more work. Like emptying the whole house was fine. Emptying my music out of the attic. I also had about 20,000 CDs. <gasps> and I went through every one of them because I said there is no point in bringing all of these and putting them in another room where they're not going to see the light of day. Oh so goodness. I went through every single one of them and kept just the few that I knew I might use or couldn't get somewhere else. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And got rid of the rest of them. And then Al Gibbs, my friend, God love him, said, oh, listen, I'll give you the dig out if you need a hand. So I was actually doing something on TV that night and he called over to the house with Cal and he emptied all of my vinyl out of the attic, down the stairs, into a van and transported it over to the new house. His, oh, his, his back was broken. Well, he's very welcome to come to Cork and do the same for me because with oh. er, my vinyl's up in my parents' attic for, again, probably 29 years. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to get down. You should bring some of it down, though, because it's amazing when you have it. Like, mm. it's just when it's, it's when you start playing some of them, you know at home now in fairness I don't have kids so I probably have more time to do that yeah you know it's probably not as easy but it's such a lovely lovely thing I think I will because for the simple reason Jake who's who is six now by the way six god now I feel old he has um I think it was my husband Peter uh told him that I was a DJ I don't know how he quite found out um anyway so he's now obsessed he's like he's like mom you never told me you were a dj and i was like yeah yeah and he's like will you dj for me like i don't have decks anymore i sold <laughs> my decks but he's just like so i've started giving him my cds bit by bit oh amazing and he's got his little headphones he's got a cd player in his room and he brings you in and he does a little dance party and it's actually it's just so adorable and he keeps saying to me can I have more CDs? So I'm drip feeding him all these CDs and he's like, what's this one called? And I'm like, that's pop. What's this one? He's like, I'm like, that's indie. What's this one? I'm like, that's hip hop. You probably shouldn't be listening to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Snoop Dogg, doggy style. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to have to go through all the ones that have the parental, you know, advisory stickers on them and go, no, I don't think you can listen to that. I can actually see him being a DJ. He's got like his cool name, cool parents. I just (laughs) see it. I actually could. Watch this space. Oh, he's so adorable. So yeah. So anyway, I told him that I'm saving my vinyl for him. So well, him and and Livy as well, because it's gonna there'll be a scrap I'd say over it. But oh god, that's a nice thing to be fighting over. It's kind of cool. It's lovely to have. And you're right. Yeah. I will bring it back in. I think I need to bring music back into the house a little bit more. It's a funny thing when I stopped DJing, I cut music out of my life entirely. By choice. Yeah. Why? I, I had to do it for a couple of years because. I suppose like I, I stopped DJing when I was pregnant with Jake because mm. I just knew I had to change my lifestyle. I couldn't do the late nights with a small baby and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I, I shut it all away. I, I, I didn't listen to any any music for a couple of years. Was that because it was kind of traumatic for you? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I had to I had to cut it dead so that I could really 
I don't know, open up into a different area of my life. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've really come back to music very, very strongly again now. And it's beautiful. And I really missed it. And I really needed it, you know. I think everyone needs it, mm. you know, every day, no matter what kind of music it is. But without it, um, well, as long as it's kind of good music, there's a lot of awful music out there that wouldn't do anything for you now. Yeah, That's, it's true. We won't name them, but, <laughs> you know, basic people. <laughs> I love such and such. I'm like, why? Like, sounds like everything else. <laughs> why do you think people need it every day? Because it lifts your mood. And it mm. just, I, there's something about it. It is like, it's like therapy, I think. You know, like mm. I, I get up at eight o'clock every morning. I have breakfast. My day is exactly the same. And then I listen to music all day to put the Gee. show together. Wow. All day. Because as well as that, I'm doing six radio shows a week. Mm. Four nights are kind of like Indian electronic. One night's pure dance and one night's pure chill out. So there's so many different genres that I'm, I'm doing it all day. And my only day off is Friday. And Friday, I always put on like loads of vinyl in the rave cave. Like real nice stuff. And I remember my mum said to me, God, do you not hate music by the time you get to Friday? And I was like, I, I actually don't. Because wow. I have it for every different occasion and all different types. So there's a lot of music I can't stand, but I don't mm. have to play that. So mm. I'm like, that's perfect. But yeah, I just think there's something about it. Music mm. is, it should be with you all the time. Even mm. when you're busy, just even in the background. I, I and that's something that I found as well that I'd have this internal rhetoric that was going round and round and round and round my head and this uh, you know and it sometimes can be a negative chat like I do everything in the house or I do blah 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 you yeah. know and then the second I turn on music that's gone yeah it's you gone see? and and that again that I was like that's that's a form of therapy so now I'm like okay now I'm singing and I'm happy rather than going why didn't he put the bins out you know <laughs> exactly or like I'm I'm not the only one who thinks of doing this yeah you know if I didn't do it, would it be done? No. <laughs> exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm very happy to see that uh, every married couple is the same. Then. Even two women, it's still the same. <laughs> you think oh, I'll be perfect. I'm like, no. Oh, my God. I love yeah. it. I love it. Um, do you like speaking of Kel, your partner <laughs> as well, your wife, like how. How how does she support you within the industry? Like you have different careers and different mm. timetables and stuff like that. I, I suppose you've known her for so long as well. Yeah. She knew she knew what she was getting herself into at the late night. <laughs> <laughs> she knew exactly what she was getting herself into. Um, she kind of, I have to say, you know, she has quite a, a well, a completely different job, mm. you know, to me. And so far as she is, she's a social worker. She's a medical social worker. So mm. she deals with like, you know, some really, you know, traumatic cases of people who are, you know, in a bad way or, mm. or you know, dying or whatever it might be. And it kind of puts my issues into context. It's a good reminder of this is real life. This is not, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I do find, you know, when, when it gets to the weekends and it's tough for her because she's working all week too. And then suddenly she does, you know, in general, come to all my gigs. Oh, um, I mean, that just yeah. like warms my heart. It re- <laughs> genuinely does, though. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, like, and I think to myself, how are you doing this? Like, if I didn't have to go tonight, I wouldn't even go, yeah. you know, but she'll go with me. And it's not even that like she'll always like I'll bounce around ideas with her or I'll be like every time I do a gig, I always kind of plan out the set. I never wing it. I've never done it. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I don't care. Wow. Um, because I just prefer to know kind of roughly what I'm doing. Yeah. But I'll say to her, I was thinking, what do you think of this? And she's like, 
I wouldn't. I'm like, right, okay. You know, just to kind of get a, you know, I'm like, this is a bit of a gamble. What do you think? She's like, absolutely not. Stay well away. So, you know, and even then she kind of just, I get so anxious and nervous before everyone then that she'd always just kind of calm me down and, oh, yeah, you know. So great, yeah. It's like having a therapist with you 24 hours a day, you know. Who has an extensive musical knowledge as well and shares yes. your taste in yeah. music. So like it's a win-win, you know. I mean, we brilliant. looked out, I think, when we got together because she loves music, as mm. do I. And we would always sit there going, oh, I have to play this song that I heard or I have to play. But... A lot of people aren't like that. And if I was with someone who wasn't into that, I just think I'd be like, oh, you know. It's such a struggle because it's such a huge part of your life. It is like, I mean, what would you say? It's probably like 70% of your life. It's probably, I'm thinking like, what else do I have? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's. You've hidden gifts and talents, girl, but. I I don't know, but um, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, it's probably nine. nine, Well, it's nearly 100%. I mean, I spend all day, every day doing it here's a question if you weren't to do that mm. what would you do is there anything else that piques your interest or what would you do or like is it something you've ever thought about before like have you ever thought about a career change um, and what would it be what would it look like I never really thought about a career change because I just I kind of love I love what I do so much that I couldn't think of an obvious career change yeah. um, but the one thing I always wanted to do years ago when I was much younger is I always wanted to work with animals or mm. I thought I wanted to be a vet and I, I, I definitely don't want to be a vet I wouldn't be able for that um, but yeah I would love to work with animals but I think I'm just too emotionally attached that I just wouldn't be able for it yeah, you know but yeah, that's yeah. the only other animals and music were my only two interests I know that sounds a bit like no, not a lot really but no it's perfect I was the same actually funnily enough I Were did you? I wanted to be a vet when I was younger okay I what did. changed your mind um <laughs> and, oh. this is awful but I oh oh god no go <laughs> a neighbor who was a vet <laughs> laughed at me and said women aren't vets <laughs> I oh He'd yeah. be cancelled now, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be major cancel culture for oh that. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that insane? And like, I, I, very for me, it was always horses. I was very much into horses. Funny, um, I could. See, did you do? I could see you on a horse. Just yeah. now that you say it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I don't know if that's a thing to say to someone. Yeah, I could see you on a horse. Yeah, I could see you on a horse. Yeah, yeah. I was horse riding since I was seven years old, so I was really. Like I'm still very much into horses, so that would have been that would have been my thing. But yeah, I, it's funny. I suppose, like I turned sixteen. Like I did. My, like I I finished school as well at sixteen, and, but I did my leaving cert. I was a lot younger. Just I'd skipped oh. transition year, and and it wasn't. It don't even. People go, were you a genius? I'm like, no, n- no. You notice I didn't ask you that, knowing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't cross my mind. No, no, exactly. For the listeners, Jenny was right <laughs> to not even ask it, but I had to clarify anyway. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't academic. I was like, no, anyway, so I find, I did my leaving cert at 16 and I found nightclubs and DJing at that point. So that's what switched me out of like wanting to be a vet and being around animals. I switched from like this wholesome time spent in like horse yards and getting up at the dawn to, and with the grass. <laughs> Yeah, to like serious <laughs> hardcore raving and arriving in at the dawn, not getting up yeah. at the dawn, you know. So and you notice neither was taught that the obvious reason for uh, for us not to do veterinary was the points that we wouldn't have got. <laughs> <laughs> not a hope in hell. 
this is that minor issue like it's a minor issue I got 600 points but I said I'll oh, fuck this I'm gonna yeah. be a DJ <laughs> Do you know I didn't need, I sat two mocks for my junior cert. I got grinds for both. And I think I did foundation maths with a grind and I failed. I'm not even going to go into my academia, my academic yeah. record. I'm just not. I'm yeah. just not. I'm just going to say mine mine wasn't even that pretty, I don't think. <laughs> See? I was this total daydreamer. Yeah. I was to- I, I'd sit and I'd just look out the window and they'd be like she's just gone again i remember in maths class i'm particularly bad at maths as a result there was this he was a lovely lovely male teacher and but he just couldn't control the classroom and it was all girls and he used to call us bitches right because but he was so stressed out i got it like he wasn't and we (laughs) we just the class would just turn into a riot and he'd be like you're bitches you're bitches the lottie and he'd be dragged out now totally like, in handcuffs he, oh, <laughs> he was just a br- he was brilliant he was a brilliant person as well but like he would walk in and start the class and I used to go alright I can't remember his name God, God forgive me now, but I can't remember his name and I'd be like alright see ya and I'd walk out of the class and I'd go into the bathrooms next door and I'd sit in the bathrooms and roll like cigarettes or whatever I was doing and like people would come in and out to the jacks in, on their break and like chat to me that's how I spent my maths class those are the days aren't they yeah. the good old days and I got away with it because I was like sure what's he going to do what's he going to do drag me back into the class I'm not exactly. going to happen I was so stubborn <laughs> <laughs> so stubborn and such a brat oh my god um i remember being out with you one night and now there's plenty of ways this could go this story but but thanks can we can edit it out if we need we to can. So go on. We can. so for the moment i'd say to you proceed <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll get my people onto your people afterwards and go cut that out we'll see where we go with this one okay um i'm open to it i'm open to it okay all right, she's open to it. We'll see. Um, I do remember, I don't even know if it was a night out. but Anyway, I remember saying to you at one point, I think we were, again, having a conversation about like gigs and career and all that kind of stuff. And I remember saying to you, but you're very driven, right? And that mm-hmm. was my perception of, of you at that time. Not that it was in, in, in any way a negative. I always was like, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But you stopped me and you said, I'm not. I'm not driven at all. And I, I went, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And you were like, no, I'm not. This kind of like, and not to negate the fact that you work hard because you do work very hard. Like being driven and working hard are two different things in my mind. I think they are. Uh, But you were like, I'm not, I'm not driven. I kind of didn't have a plan. Like it just kind of happened. And I I remember sitting there going, hmm, thinking about this going, that's amazing. Like, do you still stand by that? I know you'd have to have a loose plan of where you want to go, but do you feel that your career panned out in that way that it was a natural progression? Yeah, I, I, it's funny that you say that. And I have a vague recollection of that conversation, mm. funny enough, but I think we were a few drinks in at I'd that point. So. I'd say uh, so. No doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a bad thing to say. I'm, I'm still not driven. and Don't think it's a bad thing at all. All I, all I ever want, like... I love what I do and I'd hate to do something that I thought was the wrong thing or awful or why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, but my main goal is always to have, like most people, have a nice life and be able to pay my bills and to just know where the next paycheck's coming from. And if someone said to me, you don't have to pay for anything for the rest of your life, I probably wouldn't go into work tomorrow and I'd be fine about it. Mm. And I know I hate saying that, but I'd say a lot of people are like that and they're like, Oh yeah, but you must love your job and and I do love my job. But 
I just as happy, you know, I, I'm a worrier anyway. I always have been. So Aww. I lie awake at night going, God, and in this job, it's not, you know, as I know and whatever over the last number of years, it's never secure. Yes, And I go, it changes. Oh, what, if it went, what if it went tomorrow? <sighs> what would I do? Mm. And I always just, I always just worry about, you know, money. You know, I know a lot of people do. Which but is, just, it's a basic necessity. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And even when things are going well, I go like, I'm careful. I go, right. We, you know, keep that might need that or whatever. And, you know, as, as things transpired over the last number of years, I, I did need that safety net that I had always mm. worried about. And, you know, um, but yeah, I, and I've never had a plan as to where I want to end up. I still don't even have that plan. I'm happy doing what I'm doing now as long as someone as long as someone is willing to let me do it I'll do it especially DJing even more so than radio I did think recently I was like I wonder how long I'll be able to do that for yeah but you know then I look at I'm not comparing myself to any of them but I look at like Pete Tong and people yeah and you know like what is he 60 or I don't know no idea but he's close on it I'd say close on it I'd say and no or even Carl Cox he's not a young man either yeah and then you go, could I still be doing this in those amount of years? Maybe I could. I, I just don't know, you know, but if it goes, then what will I do? So then I, I try not to think about it too much because that's the sort of stuff that keeps me awake at like four in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think 100%, I, I find it really interesting, like 100% you could keep on doing it if you mm. so choose to. Like I find it really interesting. I love watching artists progression. And I know something, I remember years ago, there used to be an argument that like, oh, as a DJ, you're not an artist because you're playing other artists' music. But I do think there's an absolute artistry to DJing and being able to read the crowd and read the energy, which I want to get into more, uh, uh, more of as well. But I love following an artist's progression because it changes. Like you said, you started to change the different music that you played as it went along and your sets kind of shape shift and all that. Yeah. And I think as it changed, there is longevity in that. Yeah. You know, and if people are, you know, have been with you from the start, they'll stay with you. I, I, I really believe that, you know. I hope they will. But I think, you know, it's it's funny just with the music styles. Like when you look back and you're probably the same when you look back at the sort of music you played in the early days. Like even when I was like, I played like really heavy trance. Yeah. But I wouldn't go near now. And, you know, and even any any women who were big DJs at the time, they all played Hard House, like Anne Savage and Lisa Lashes. And they oh were always in, God, yeah. they were in the Temple Theatre all the time, which is where I always went. And they were all playing like hammered it out Hard House. Mm. And I kind of liked that and I liked trance. And then I remember, I remember going to Ibiza one year with Al Gibbs. We went to do our shows from Cafe Mambo years ago now. I think I was about 19. And he said, trust me, Greener, now in a few years, you're going to get into real housey stuff. I was like, no, I'm not. It's so boring. Yeah. And he was right. I did the same. I started in hip hop. Hip hop was always my thing. Yeah. Always my thing. Like I was a very strict hip hop DJ and then it kind of went off into R&B and I went into reggae and quite a bit. And then sure, I ended up in club and house. And I, and I loved that as well. You know what I mean? I loved it all. Like, True, so, didn't I say that about you? You were like the love child of Annie Mac and Diplo. <laughs> Because you'd be on DJing with me. I'm like, I don't know where she's going with this, by the way. <laughs> like, Christ, she could be going anywhere here now. I loved that. I always kind of, when you said that to me, that <laughs> I was the love child of Annie Mac and Diplo, I was like, that is the perfect compliment. It oh, is. Listen. I, I loved it so much. <laughs> if I could have that as a plaque above my decks, I, I might, it, you know. It can be arranged. <laughs> Better that than a headstone. <laughs> 
That wouldn't be a bad thing to put on the headstone. They'd be like, well, listen, what's, what's her true gene- with me? What's her true her true genealogy here? Like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Mac, were they not the same age? What? Um, I suppose tying in this question as well to what we were just talking about, like um, success and being driven and all that kind of stuff. I see you as a very successful DJ because because you are quite frankly because you've had like such amazing longevity on 2fm and many other radio stations you're still on tour doing all you know you've got a multitude of gigs you're still really really highly in demand so i view that as success what is your perception of success as like now as opposed to what it was maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago god i it's a really good question actually and um yeah i don't know like it's funny sometimes even now you still kind of go am I still getting away with this or Mm. everyone has those dates or those feelings you know and 100% I don't think I've ever um I've I don't think I've ever felt successful really which wow it's like everything in life you know the way you just keep waiting oh when I get to this this will happen or when I get uh, we all do do. I do and you just feel like you're still going to get to that point although I I still don't know what that point is I don't have something in my mind that I go when I get that then I've whatever yeah so you just feel like you're just still going day to day to get to this point but I don't know what that point is Mm. you know um and I don't I don't know like I suppose I feel successful in so far as you know I'm very content I have a lovely home life and I feel very lucky and that means everything to me you know so that's probably something years ago I didn't necessarily think I'd have and I do like you know what I mean so Mm. that's probably maybe that's my biggest success I like amen to that I think that's absolutely gorgeous and so vital and really vital for others to hear as well because I've I found the same no matter what I kind of no matter what level I reached in my career, it always it's going to sound tragic, but it always <laughs> kind of like hang on, I get the violin. Yeah, let me just get the tissues there, guys. <laughs> um, it always left me feeling slightly empty, and slightly dr- and and not slightly drained, really drained, and 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 I had to reframe my version of success, what that meant, because I had always gone, if I get to same thing, if I get to yeah. this, that's success. If I get to this and achieve this, and then da da da. da. And when I got there, I was like, meh. So, yeah, I, 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 same as you, I had to reframe, I guess, what I thought success was. And, and I boiled it back down to, again, happiness on a daily level within my family structure, with my kids, my husband, having a, a lovely home. And if I was to walk away from everything else, I would feel successful in that, you know? You would. And I think it depends, like, you know, on your relationship as well. I know it's not everyone is as fortunate. Um, I... I I would spend 24 hours a day with Kel and we would laugh and I would never get sick of her company. Yeah. And that's not like, even during lockdown, we'd be like wetting ourselves laughing. And then after lockdown, we started seeing people and I was like, oh, I'm kind of being used to now. You know, this yeah. is overkill now. We're kind of, we're happy out. Like, you know, um, obviously, you know, we have little arguments like other people. But to be honest, I can't even remember the last one. And then wow. you and Peter are the same. <laughs> Because like you, uh, myself and yourself, we're, we're DJ and I remember one particular night in the Savoy, <laughs> RIP Savoy, best club ever. Yeah. And fun. Peter and Kel were up in the bar. And, I'll never forget that. Oh, Jesus. And <laughs> now I think we'd only met Peter that night 
it was years ago. Yeah. I think I, I think it was. We went for dinner first, very civilized. Yeah. And then suddenly yourself and myself finished the gig. Yeah. The club was closed. We went up to this little bar to meet them. Um oh, Kel was wearing um Peter's Air Max and he was wearing her stilettos. The two of them couldn't even see they were in so much of a state and Kel said, We're going to Greece. Well, Peter and Henry. And, I was like, great. And she was sitting on his lap. Yes. I was like, right. <laughs> the two of but, us rocked in and we're like, what's oh, going on? I'm, but we just, we had such oh, a laugh and the two of you brilliant. were just as silly and I was like, this, this is it. And you don't find yeah. people like that very often. And when you do, you're like, Jesus, hold on to them. Oh, you're so right. And it's funny, like when you throw a couple of kids in the mix, you start to forget that stuff because the pressure becomes intense. It's like throwing... I remember when you told me you were pregnant, I was like, great. And I was like, I was a little bit devastated. I was like, I'm not DJing anymore. I was like... <laughs> the crack's felt gone. Like, crack. felt like a death or something. I know. I'm delighted for you. <laughs> but you do get that. You get that with it. Like, it's yeah. funny. Everyone goes, oh, amazing. I remember, I remember telling Kel and she was like, what? She won't be coming out anymore. I know. That's it. And the holiday to Greece never happened. It will at some point. All right. It will at some point. 100%. We go, will we go for a 60th? Oh my God. I don't uh, know yours or mine. I'll probably get there first according to Google. So, yeah. you know, we go for mine. <laughs> uh, I, it will happen at some point. 100%. When the kids are a little bit older, we'll be like, see ya. You can We're doing that. We are oh doing it. God. Oh my God. Or we'll just bring them and bring a babysitter. <laughs> No, you won't. No, I'm joking. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 they're no. not coming. No, I like your kids. I like your kids and everything, but they're not coming. <laughs> like, Fair enough. I like my kids too, but they're not coming. Oh. <laughs> um, again, let's go back to the whole success thing, okay? How did it come about about the RTE Orchestra? Oh, Jenny, when that started, I was like, this is unbelievable. It was the next level for you completely. It was amazing. I mean, it's probably five years ago you started it now do you know it was it's six years ago we started but to be fair we missed two because of covid so really it really then it's only been four okay you know but i remember when that that happened um it was it was 2016 and if you remember pete tong did the gig for the bbc proms i do i do everybody lost their minds they really hadn't seen that before and it was like (gasps) And it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Like nobody knew what to expect and it was really the first of its kind. And then I think it was a couple of weeks later, I'm not sure of the time frame. Um, my boss called me in, Dan Healy, mm. and he said, look, have this idea uh, for Electric Picnic, you and the concert orchestra uh. doing basically that gig. Oh, um, I just got goosebumps. Uh, and my, of course, me being the worrier and always looking for problems, I was like, how the hell are we going to do that? Electric picnics in, I don't know if it was like six weeks away or something Ooh, like that. I'd never tight, met the, or- yeah. never met the orchestra, hadn't a clue. Um, and then I, I didn't know if it would work. And then I was also conscious, like, and people have said it since, and I've never denied it. They're like, or oh, you're just copying Pete Tong. And I was like, yeah, we did. Like, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not pretending that we came up with this. We clearly didn't. <laughs> I didn't ask to do it. I got yeah. roped in. Here you go again. You yeah. See? <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. All right. And how many other people would have turned around and gone, ah, I'll leave it. I won't. Thanks. So I'll leave it. So, um, so anyway, we, we did that. And there was a good few people involved. Adam Fogarty as well, who's our head of music. Lovely he was in, Adam. He was in straight away. Um, putting the set list and everything together um, because this was like all hands on deck. Then all the songs had to be picked and then they all had to be sent away to be scored 
Then they had to come back. Then we had to. Then everyone had to play them mm-hmm. and learn and record them, yeah. them and yeah. learn. And all yeah. of this was going on. Um, and then we rocked up to Re- Electric Picnic to play the Friday night in Rankin's Wood, which isn't normally open. And even in the run up to it, and I was also that weekend doing the TV coverage for RTE as well. <sighs> so I was in that all day and then running over to do a quick rehearsal. And then, you know, Dan Healy said to me, what if no one turns up? And I was like, well, I don't know, Dan, like we're, we're all putting it up online. I don't know what else we can do. If they don't turn up, they don't turn up. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it is what it is, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so we did the sound check and there was a there was a good bit of interest at the sound check. There was a lot of people around. Mm. So we were like, maybe. And I think the timing was great. We were on for the hour just before the Chemical Brothers on the main stage. Uh, so it was per- like, it was perfect. Yeah. yeah so like yeah, that- we went, we, we, and Rankin's Wood was pretty near the main stage. So it was like the perfect, sure we'll wander down and we won't miss the Chemical Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember going to the stage then, going around um, just before, about, 15 minutes before we went on stage and I walked around I was like holy god like the tent I think held 9,000 it was full and there was about two or three thousand they reckoned it was about 11,000 there in total and that was before we even came on Jenny I was standing out the back and I remember my mum and dad were at home in Cork and I rang my mum and I, I was bawling crying on the phone she was like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? I was like, nothing, mum. There's loads of people here. She's like, what do you have to take? And I was like, I haven't taken anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm just telling you. I've never I've never stood out in front of this many people, ever. I was just, it was such a, a weird, like, really emotional feeling. And mm. Gemma Suger was with me as well, mm. who is now one of my best friends. But we didn't even know each other then. Yeah, she's, she's just like, so hi, brilliant. Hi, hi. Yeah, yeah. And we both just stood there. I think I was just standing there at the time, chain smoking, going... how are we going to get through this and is it going to work wow and then I just remember being out there and it was like a lot of it's a blur now it was like what is this like Mm. just an amazing feeling and I think because nobody really knew what to expect and it was also not a lot of pressure because I was conscious that it was just an electric picnic people hadn't bought a ticket to see it so if they didn't love it it didn't matter like yeah yeah in a sense I mean okay like no pressure but still massive pressure but like you said it's not just them coming specifically to see you it was like okay but but what a great forerunner to show that you could do those numbers specifically which then led on to Ivy Gardens and the Marquee. Like, so the 11,000 that was there, is that the biggest number you've played to, do you reckon? Uh, with the orchestra, yeah. Yeah, it would be. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Um, and They're huge even, numbers, Jenny. They're huge numbers. Yeah, I, they, I suppose they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when we finished it that day, like at Electric Picnic, we thought like that was it. I, we were like, oh, that was great. And I didn't think any more of it. And I went, we went on honeymoon because um, we delayed our honeymoon so we went on honeymoon and we were went to Mauritius straight after that weekend perfect and I was perfect. over there and Dan Healy rang me and he was like and he gets real excited about stuff he's like real are you sitting down I was like what he was like we're doing three arena I was like what so it was just suddenly and I kind of just took off from there mm. you know and rightly so I mean I've been to two of them I think was it two I missed the one recently. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a babysitter. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I don't worry. It was a shine. (laughs) It wasn't actually. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. I heard. I was told. It was. But you know, you know yourself. Cork in a tent in the rain as well. 
dance classics. I mean, yeah. really, doesn't, court people there's nothing like, else you could add into that. Court people like to party, and there's that history of having Sir Henry's, which is such a, mm. it's such a deeply ingrained history, clubbing history in Cork, you know. So yeah. I'd say you're always met with a good crowd. But yeah, I've seen it so many, I've seen it twice, and it just blows my mind every single time. It's, be, it's an amazing gig. And I love... I love being in the crowd for gigs like that. Like you're so kind of, you always bring me backstage as well, but I love being in the crowd and just the vibrations that come off the crowd when you're playing. Do you think that there's like something really important about people coming together? I know you say that, you know, people listening to music every single day is really important, not just for mental health and, and, and everything else, but do you feel that it changes dramatically when they come together in a group and what shifts within a consciousness when it comes together? Have you even it, noticed that? It definitely does. I mean, it's it's like the way they say, you know, uh, people. It's why people join choirs because when mm. when people sing together, it does something to people. When this this harmony of sound that you're making and creating together, and in some ways, the crowd is is a little bit like that too. And I think, mm. you know, dance music is euphoric, and classical music is too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they work so well together, and why they bring that euphoria to another level. And mm. when it's when, and then when you're like mashed in with people, there's that real connection that it's very hard to describe. But it's like it's like a natural high that you get from it, you know, and it's it's sometimes it's well, I, I, that's certainly in the crowd. But even on the stage, like it's sometimes it's very hard to come down from it afterwards because it's yeah. such a low. Like I, I, I remember we did two nights in the marquee, whatever, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember on the morning after the first night was amazing and I woke up the next morning in the hotel I started bawling crying. I was crying yeah. for about an hour yeah Cal was like what's wrong with you and I was like I don't know she's like do you have a good night I said an amazing night yeah. it's just you're so high and then you're nothing yeah you're and so and I think low. it's just it just you know it's just such a drop that you're like and then you're then you know you're gonna go back up again in a few hours but it's mm. just the emotions that it's you the go emotions through. and the energy of it as well like do you feel like when there's a crowd of people obviously there's a massive amounts of energy that, that pump out and it's and like you said it's so euphoric and it's not like you know and the tempo is going to make a, a difference as well so do you feel like the energy that you soak up some of that energy and maybe that you have to consciously kind of got not guard your energy but watch it afterwards before and afterwards is it something that you consciously do or not I, do you know what? It's probably something I should do, and I, I don't. The only thing I, I, my way of dealing with that afterwards is I, I, my first thing off the stage is a pint of Guinness. That is, and that a bit of nutrition. A bit of nutrition. The only thing I find sometimes hard is like when we finish those gigs, and then there's loads of people around, and they just come up and they're like, "Sorry, sir, I won't annoy. I won't annoy you now. No, you want to." I'm like, "Well, then why are you?" And I just. <laughs> Like I spent 40 minutes trying to get from like literally a few meters to my parents after the gig in the marquee. Yeah. They were standing out, outside the dressing room. And I just couldn't get there. Now I, yeah. I know when people are drunk, it's different. But I'm yeah. like, yeah. I yeah. just, I've nothing left. And I just want to, I just want to sit down and put a pint of Guinness and then red wine. Red wine just, I'm not, yeah. I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not advocating that that's the answer to everything. <laughs> but there is a real, there is a real like, oh when you go all right I'm grand I just need to chill out or something yeah you can't maintain that no it's It's very you'll you'll topple over it's really high energy to try and maintain definitely definitely um tell us about meeting I I, you always have this lovely story about meeting Gemma Sugru as well when she came on board as a singer 
Um, what was she doing? Was it something to do with the Spice Girls tribute band or something like that? I have this is a vague recollection of money and money. You're right though. Back to me now. Yeah. Um, so, so Gemma obviously is your amazing vocalist that, mm-hmm. that joins you as part of the orchestra. Or, 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 orchestra. <laughs> Orty orchestra. Take um, two. Take two. Like we can edit that, can't we? Exactly. Um, but Gemma is one of your vocalists. You have other vocalists, but she's incredible. I mean, yeah. she's incredible. I knew her separately because she was a vocal coach in Cork. Mm-hmm. Just knew her through friends. My word, she's a powerhouse of a voice. Like, it's incredible. But tell us about how you met her, because I love this story. Um, well, we had, uh, that was the other part that I, I missed out when I said about Dan um, putting this show together and, you know, introducing me to Mary Sexton, who was the coordinator with the mm-hmm. orchestra. And we were all sitting around this table. And I said, look, this is all well and good, but who's going to sing these songs and Mary who I had only just met and I've said this to her since then I have deeply apologized for even thinking this she was like oh I I know someone I was like I know someone who can hold a note and I know like a powerhouse are two very different things yeah and she said yeah no I know someone yeah and I was like and and who is this someone you know because this someone is going to make the whole gig or or not or kill it yeah yeah and she said no, she was in a Spice Girls tribute act. She was Baby Spice. But no, she's good. I'll give her a ring and see if she do it. And I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, why am I not surprised? Like, I was like, what is this going to be? So that was the last I heard of it. And I was like, this is going to be a shit show. I was like, this is not going to work at all. And then I think, like, whenever the rehearsal was, I can't remember the time frame. It could have been, like, a couple of weeks after that meeting. I arrived in to studio one where the orchestra um, rehearsed and stuff. When I walked in, I was in the sound room with Damien Chanel and Gemma was in the booth next door. I hadn't seen her yet. And when I walked in, they were running um, Orbital Belfast. Mm. And my God, like that song gets me anyway, Mm. the vocals. And she was singing that and I went, Oh my God, I just, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, I've never heard a voice like that. So then that was my first hearing of her. So I thought, grand, so she can only do kind of operatic, you know. And then she started banging out like Snap and Rosala and then SPQR. And I went, oh my God. And I just came home that night and I was, I was talking about her all night Mm. to Kel. I was like, you want to hear this girl like. She was like, all right, ease up. Like, and I went, no, I said, honestly. And then she was like, you're, you sound like you're obsessed with her. And I was like, I'm not, but we'll wait till you hear her voice. Yeah. And Kel was exactly the same when she heard it then. There's yeah. nobody with that range. I'm there- sorry, like the biggest singers in the world don't have that range. No, I, I actually agree. I think her range is off the charts. It's phenomenal. And I had, like, and I've said it to her face, like I've had a mm. mini obsession with her. I'd be on YouTube looking at her videos just going... She can do everything. Like know, she can do she? Beyonce to <laughs> but like and she rearranges it. She's so gifted. She's immensely gifted. Yeah. I did ask her to do oh, like put in requests, like, you know, to Gemma. What was your request? I wanted her to do Whitney Houston All the Man. You know that song? Buddies Exactly. Yeah, that. I mean, if you want, I've got a thing for Whitney, and I watch all her all her stuff live, all the live versions of it. And she, I mean, for if she's to me, she was the ultimate. Um, but I'm still waiting on it, Gemma. 
If you're listening to this, still waiting on my Whitney. Well, we had her booked in for Christmas. I She was meant to be coming over and then look, COVID was happening to people and things were happening and they weren't happening. She didn't make it over in the end. And I had we had bought the Mariah Christmas album oh, on vinyl. Wow. And yeah. then we had the microphones all set up. Cal was like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Gemma to do a holy night out here. I was like and we sent it to her and she's like, Oh, I'm well up for that girls, I'm well up and then it just <laughs> never happened and then even you know she stayed here the night we played at the Ivy Gardens but she had an early flight the next day because Kel was like can we do it tomorrow I was like we can't sing All Holy Night in July <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like well I suppose we could <laughs> oh. I'll make sure we film that one for you and I'll get her to do Whitney for you as well we'll you send know, them up throw Whitney in there go on <gasps> We'd have to get you down to the rave cave now. Maybe you go. Oh, actually, we've got the. We, yeah, we've all the Whitney tunes as well, so we'd be good to go. Oh my word! I'd be in my element. That could bring me back. That could bring me back. If that doesn't bring you back, nothing's going to bring you back. You're a lost cause then. Do you know what? When I gave up DJing, somebody who was a DJ at the time as well said to me, "You never quit. It never leaves you." And I've been asked so many times, "Would you go back?" And I'm like, "No." I'm still like, "No, no way." I don't know why. I felt like I had to shut that door to that part of my life for me to be but but there's still parts of me that are like would I I don't think I would right now I don't think I would yeah you might though like if it wasn't a high pressure gig if it was in like your, I have an idea of a dream cave, I would. oh well, <laughs> listen that's always open to you but I have this I have this kind of dream gig scenario in my head that like I haven't figured out exactly how to make it happen yet and it's really low key but I watch a lot of um, DJ sets on YouTube mm. and like I love like all the kind of like Ami and Rampa and some of the like some of the nice kind of daytimey sort of little bit obscure like melodic techno and it's kind of nearly chill out. Yeah. I have nowhere that I can play that but I have loads of it. I always buy that. That's all the stuff I buy because that's what I love listening to but I can't play that anywhere but I have this like I'd love to do like um like a kind of an outdoors late afternoon gig in the sunshine. There's yeah. a vent, there's a place up the road from us here and um, the baths in Clontarf has this swimming pool outside and it's overlooking the pool bag. And if we did something like outside on that and just in the sunshine, oh. nice me like music that you love, not this pressure to fill a floor with bangers, but just yeah. people going around with, and that's the dream scenario to me. And I think if I did that, you'd be up for that. That sounds like what Cafe Del Mar used to do a long, long time ago. Do you yeah. remember those like afternoon sunny, like they were yeah. uh, there I beat the sets really like, but it was just chilled, you know, yeah. And like you said, complete alternative stuff where it's just like, there's, there's no pressure to be playing classics. No one's there's dancing really. They're just like, this is lovely. Like this yeah. is just heaven. And you get a cocktail handed to you. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the job. That's the, that's the dream gig. Oh, look, I might come back out for that I'm one. Gonna try. I wouldn't mind it now. I, it's my friend who runs the place and I'm like, I need to get on to him and go, look, I'll do, I'll do it for free. I just want to do it. Can oh, we let me do God, it? And I'll bring, amazing. can I bring my friend Hillary? <laughs> I'd be standing there all nervous going, God, Jane, this has been, this has been very... Uh, it's a bit bigger than I thought. Yeah. There's actually people here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about this, Jen. Bring you back into your cave. <laughs> um, I loved as well uh, when you had... I, I know this is probably like... You had your, the Drive Time show on 2FM. I loved that because I loved listening to it because um, you really had a sense that uh, yourself and Nikki had a real connection. Nikki mm. Byrne from Westlife you had a real connection and that, that's I kind of think what I tuned into and not because it was just because it was you and I, like I'm mad about listening to you but it, there was a real buzz about that show 
And we spoke about it off air only recently. Um, is it something that you'd like to go back to at some point? I would love to work with Nikki again. Mm. Like it was my favorite, um, favorite time ever. And I said it at the time and I still say it now. So I don't look back and go, God, I should have appreciated it because I, I appreciated it every day. Yeah. It was just, it's mad. Like it was five years. I, that blows my mind. Yeah. And it like, I think our times moved a few times. Like we were on it, we were on at 11 and then we were on at 10 and I don't think we ever got to nine. We were aiming for the nine then then we never got it. Um, nine was the good time to be starting. We just never we missed out on that. But we got 10 and 11 and it just got, I had a kind of a, I went in every morning and we just had a laugh like yeah. it was just and it genuinely was you know but it, and I didn't I hope it didn't sound that uh, you know to other people but it just it didn't feel like forced laughter no there's a lot of like ha 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 your gas no yeah there was none of that like do you know what I mean and I just it, it was, sounded it was so a, genuine to me definitely it was genuine fun like you know yeah. and um like given his status um like he was probably one of, or he is one of the most down to earth people I know. Yeah, you know, is. there's people yeah. I know who aren't successful at all, and they're, you know, they've a way bigger ego than Nikki does. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, but he really got in and learned how to do it. Like, l- went in, learned the desk, learned everything. Because I presumed when we were told that I'd be running the desk, they're like, "No, Nikki wants to run the desk." I was like, "All right." And like weeks before we started the show live, he'd get up really early in the morning and go in and learn the desk fair play like mm. a lot of people just wouldn't bother yeah you know now you should do it but a lot of people don't these mm. days so i really admired that in him like if he's gonna do something he's gonna give it 110 and yeah. he always did um but i yeah like i would go back to that in a heartbeat but then i'm also conscious that we kind of left it on a high yeah it was fab and if we maybe went back we'd be like oh it's not the same like something won't be the same and yeah. we'll always compare it you'd have to reshape it into something new I think if I you think were so come back yeah. Together. yeah but I definitely I would definitely be open to it yeah. as would he I know yeah oh it was amazing I loved it um like I suppose oh I, well, actually one thing I did want to want to mention I'm just looking at my notes here when I was doing my research on you yeah I, I loved your YouTube uh, Asher, it'll be grand designs. Oh. <laughs> so this is when yourself and Kelly <laughs> bought your first home together. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you thought, oh, she will just replace a bathroom here and there, and then realizing that once you start ripping out an old house, it's like a bottomless pit. <laughs> I just had no, I had no concept because you know the previous house that I had was like not that old, kind of you know just normal, you know, didn't have all these really like the house that we bought was built in eighteen ninety. Wow. Like, so a big, and just, yeah. I had no experience of what that meant. And it turns out it means everything, yeah. you know, it means like everything is, it's, you know, it's, it's freezing cold, you yeah. know, and rewiring, rewiring, possibly everything. a new roof. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thankfully we dodged the new roof. It's about the only yeah. thing we dodged. Brilliant. But I just thought, oh, we'll, sure, we'll put in a new bathroom and I would pick away at it in stages, but sure you couldn't. Like, I think it, yeah. the house was like a G rating. Like, I mean, it was just, it's like a sieve, you know, you couldn't like, yeah. you know, and even like, I don't know how it was wired up. There was just plug boards under carpets everywhere. And I was like, oh God, this is like, feels it's, like a death trap. It is a fire hazard waiting to happen. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think because it was during lockdown and we just all felt so disconnected from everyone. And then a friend of Kel's 
kind of um, works in the industry a bit and she said look can I come down and film you guys and we were like look knock yourself out sure like you know I, we're doing I, nothing yeah and you can hear her laughing in the background <laughs> I I love it because you can hear like giggling away at the two of you because when the two of you get going you are just great crack like you're so much fun I think we just had to laugh because it was like you know we'd moments where we're like what the hell are we after doing and trying to get trades people during lockdowns or do anything I mean we were lucky now because we had them all booked in ready to go and then kind of it nearly suited them when the kind of you know suddenly there was an empty house with no one in it so they were coming in individually and doing a bit of work and we weren't living here so it was was perfect Mm. but I do remember the day coming out of the solicitors with the keys got into the car and Leah Varadkar came on the radio and kind of officially announced that this day thing. that literally when we got into the car oh. and I went we were all like yay woo and then he came on the radio and it was the first time someone had confirmed this thing is real it's here it's a problem and everything's shutting and I suddenly realised wow all that income that I is gone <gasps> of course so that was kind of gigs yeah. yeah now don't get me wrong I was very fortunate that I still had my kind of day job but mm. I was I was relying heavily on the rest too and I know there's people who had nothing to rely on so I, mm. I totally understand that it's not the same but it just felt like an extra oh god like this is this is not what I you know thanks Leo today. for taking the wind out of your sails I know <laughs> It's not his fault, I know. Do you know what I mean? There's people we can blame. He's not one of them. Um, but yeah, and then not realizing how how long that was going to go on for. Just mm. thinking it was a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then, it was a weird time, wasn't it? Yeah. And I remember, like everyone, like did you get moments where you know you'd be fine, 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 and then you'd start bawling. I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, I felt like I was under kind of massive pressure in a weird way. I think I'd come off the back of the Young Offenders my youngest child was still really small it was a real kind of and my dad became very ill later on in the year 2020 was a real melting pot of change for me personally I know it was a melting pot of change for I think society in general and the world at large actually really but yeah there were days where I was like where is this going like how how are we going to cope and you know we were like um (laughs) locked up with our two children in the house (laughs) You know, that's a lot like that is a lot. It was a lot for everybody. Peter went to work still and my imaginary job. But I always I always take the piss out of him. Like, I mean, I have an imaginary job. You, you go to work and I have an imaginary job. Um, my, You know, I, I kind of like it was a melting pot for me because I, I had to be there for the kids. Yeah. Whereas Peter was still going to work. So that was like it was a real shifting of boundaries within the family unit as well. So there was yeah. a lot of that going on. I'm really pressurized, really pressurized. So I yeah, was, I used to step outside the door and take a breath. That's what I had to do. I just felt it so, um, you know, like when when everything when life is normal and you don't really you don't really overthink about it. you don't realize how good you have it until someone takes it away. You know, where you're like, oh, I don't want. No, look, can we get out of that on Friday? I don't want to go or whatever it was. And then yeah. suddenly you were like. We can't go anywhere yeah. and we literally cannot see even our neighbour. And it's bizarre. Yeah. I remember we got, somebody had said a couple of weeks into it, someone said to me, you know, life is never going to go back to what it was ever. And I was like, what? And just hearing that, I, I never believed that to be true, but I was mm. feeling quite low at the time. Yeah. And I, was, I couldn't stop crying. Oh, God. And Kel was like, don't worry. Like, we literally just drowned ourselves in wine every night. 
Yeah. You know, and I know that was terrible, but you were at that point it was like, you know, that's all people had. And then yeah. after a while you were like, This is continuing, we need to get out of this because we can't keep doing this every night. This is not this is more than a few weeks, you I, know. I went I went the opposite. In the first lockdown, I just was like, Okay, I'm cleaning everything, including my liver and my body. And I just I think I didn't drink for like Why would you do that to yourself? I know, just to just to put extra pressure on like God. and I do that, Jenny, I'm so extreme. And I was like, I'm t- I'm not eating meat. I'm not eating dairy. I'm not eating gluten. I'm certainly not drinking alcohol. Uh, not eating sugar. Like I was like, I'm clean. Oh man, are you still doing that? No, I go through highs and lows of it. Uh, you're actually. Ve- I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but you're actually very like Gemma Suger. Yeah, that I- is exactly. You are like yeah. you're like twins, the two of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's extreme. It's not a bit of this or a bit of that. It's like <laughs> I'm not doing that at all anymore. Yeah. Oh. Not like I might cut down on that. It's like, no, that's it. I put a line under it. It's not happening. Yeah. Until like, the following wow. week where you're like, hmm, no, it's not. Ha- it's happening again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I get really extreme. I go to yeah. extremes. Yeah. And I, I am, I'm always trying to find the balance in the middle of like. I'm, just, I'm always trying to find the balance. But yeah. I, I think if you're just that kind of person, there there is never a balance to be found yeah there's a very it's a the swinging pendulum swings mm. quite wide with me definitely yeah. definitely <laughs> see I, I've just no um I just kind of don't have any of those intonations whatsoever it's like but it's great you have that natural balance then you know I know I could probably do with the balance a bit more on your side than <laughs> near me it's like just do whatever makes you happy and worry about it later yeah but that's very <laughs> that is actually very zen though I don't know. In a sense, it is like it's like I suppose when you go back to like the the chat we had about when you, when I was saying that you, I I thought you were driven, you're like I'm really not. That's why it's so zen. That's why it really blew my mind because it was like you've gotten so far along by just being chilled and going with the flow. Whereas other people are like really forcing it. I I I really took a leaf out of your book that time. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, right. I did. Well, well, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. See, again, that was a couple of glasses of wine and going, well, I tell you. Yeah. That's what you need to do. And you were just like, like you may as well have turned around to me and said, fucking chill. And that yeah. would, you know what I mean? But I was like, she's right. She's bloody right, like, you know. Um. Okay, I think this is, I call it the Live Wild Pop Quiz, right? Okay. It's not a pop quiz. I feel like sense. I need to like reposition myself for this. Brace now. Is there- yourself. Is there, there's no right or wrong answers, is there? No right or wrong answers. It's not really a pop quiz. I need to rephrase it. I've been calling it. Is there a a prize? Oh, Jesus. No. We'll find something. something. I've got two Carmex on my desk. I can send you one if you want. Lovely. Is there COVID on that? (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Now there is, yeah. Ah, good, good. Okay, so I'm playing for the car. I'm playing for the Carmex. Playing for the Carmex, the COVID Carmex. Um... Uh, okay, it's a bit of a quick fire round, okay? So, do you know what? You've said this to me now, and now I'm worried because you've said it's quick fire, I'm gonna go blank. I'm just warning you now, you there may be a lot of editing needed here. <laughs> we'll trim those gaps. Um, okay. what is your favorite gig and why? I've t- actually, now that I've said it out loud, there's two, there's two prongs to this question. What's your favorite gig you've ever played and why? And what's your favorite gig you've ever been to and why? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, my favourite gig I've ever played was actually only recently. Mm. Um, and it wasn't with the orchestra. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
But we played with the orchestra in Limerick and then the next night I went to play this new festival in Sligo called Wild Roots. Oh yeah! And it had been moved numerous times because of COVID. And then the night before uh, the guy who books my gigs was texting me going, Jenny, urgent, call me when you can. I know you're busy. And I was like, I am. Like, I'm, I'm going on with the orchestra. So I didn't ring him to the next morning and he said, look, um, the headline act that was booked for the main stage um, has had to cancel, isn't well. And it was James Morrison. And he said, so they're going to move you from the dance area, which was quite small, mm-hmm. uh, to the main stage to close out. And I said, I think that's a terrible swap. James Morrison, for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was like, it's that like... is going to go down like a bag of shit. <laughs> it's literally what I thought. And I um, love that you say it as well, Jenny. I just you knew. Pull your I, was punches. Like, I was like, that's a terrible idea. I was like, thank you, but it's an awful idea. Is there nobody with a guitar that could take over? Because I don't think I'm the answer. So we left Limerick that day in fairness, with very little sleep. We drove to Sligo, checked into the hotel. It was a gorgeous sunny day. Like everything, everything just aligned that day. Gorgeous. Yeah. We sat inside the hotel. We'd like pizzas, glass or two of rosé. Went down to the um, the festival later that evening. We were brought down. And they, they were moving the time. It was this and it was that. And I was like, look, whatever. And then they brought me up to the main stage and said, look, you don't have to go on for another half an hour. Mm. And I said, look, I'm just standing here. I may as well start. And I just started to an empty field, like literally not one person in the field. Wow. And and we were like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. But I just, I went up and the sound was incredible. Oh. And I was like, even that was giving me, I was like, I don't care if no one shows up. This is a great sound system. Mm. Um, Really good monitors. And I was like, this, I'm in heaven now. This is great. So it just started. And, you know, it was like about 10 people sort of appeared. And then I played this particular um, remix. And I just saw people running. You could see them <laughs> running down the hill. Yes. And we ended up with, they said, they estimated there was around 10,000. And it was the best gig I have I think everything just worked like the the change up worked I kind of slightly altered what I was thinking of playing but I needn't have even worried because it didn't matter like they were just and there was like like there was teenagers there was kids on shoulders there was older people there was people in there there was every age group there and it was just a great and they had this like great like um like pyro and stuff going on and like the the canisters and, st- and stuff coming out the front and it was still I was like this is an amazing night and I thought I'll remember this one because I was my expectations were nothing beautiful zero yeah less than zero and mm-hmm. it was I just kind of went if I ever had a moment where I was like I don't want to do this anymore that is the night that'll make you go I do I love it I when you talk about expectation I only had this conversation last night with somebody like it's expectation is the killer of happiness yeah when you attach expectation to something and it's very hard to avoid attaching expectation to something, Mm. you know what I mean? Because you're trying to give yourself a picture or an outline of how things will go or what way it will be. But it's just the killer of happiness. Even if it goes really well, sometimes it just doesn't go quite the way you had expected it to go. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a beautiful life lesson to try and drop expectation. As you you said yourself, you'd no expectations. So it turned out to be the best night of your life, gig-wise. I think so. And now sometimes we've gone to nights, uh, you know, and and we've said, God, this is going to be a terrible night. And then afterwards we're like, God, it was even worse than I thought. now do you you don't know you don't know what about a gig that you've been to yourself 
God, I'm trying to think what favorite was gigs. It, was it Primal Scream when you messaged me from the Portaloo recently? Primal Scream. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Primal great. Scream in Fairview Park. Great gig. I didn't see anything. I saw it on Instagram the next day because I sure, unless I was in the front row. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't realize they had that up. And oh, I didn't realize, I didn't see it. I just saw people, but I loved being in the tent. It was, yeah. it was a great night. I think one of my favorite gigs was we went to, um, we went to see Arcade Fire in Berlin. Mm. Kel's a massive Arcade Fire fan I like them not pri- I'm not as obsessive as she is and we had said for ages they were doing a big gig in 3 Arena I think it was in the round and we were like we're definitely going to that and we talked about it for months and then we were sitting at home one night and we just happened to click on our phones and went jeez that was tonight the Arcade Fire gig totally forgot about it saw loads of her friends at it went completely forgot so she was devastated and I said look let's look up and see where they're going next mm. and I saw they were going to Berlin so I was like so I got us two tickets to Berlin Bless then we booked it. flights we booked a few days the weather was scorching they were playing outdoors then in this big sort of um, I think it was called Citadel or something but it was like it was like an outside big amphitheatre oh. and I went this sorry this beats three arena any wow. day hands down it was just magical wow and there's something about a gig abroad I don't know yeah. when like I don't, people just seem a bit nicer they're probably not it's just I don't understand what they're saying <laughs> do you know that kind of I feel they're a bit more civilised or something like there was a queue I for agree. the bar and there was a queue for the toilets and I was like the toilets are clean no one's shouting at each other and everyone's yes. just standing here really calm and real polite yes I agree but, as, as a punter I think that's amazing but as an artist apparently most of the artists and the really really like A-list artists absolutely hands down love playing Ireland because they reckon it's absolute carnage yeah so it's great for them being on stage it is it's slightly different as a punter when you're down in the mix with everybody yeah. and it's carnage and you're like oh this is too much for me but yeah but they are right actually because any other country bar Ireland you just see people and they're appreciating something but they're just standing there yeah and, really, and then there's like a there's not much going on yeah and you're like are they having fun or what but then Ireland are like yeah yeah like it's like tops off and you're like all right relax yeah 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 I haven't even pressed play yet I know (laughs) okay this is such a tricky question oh Uh, god it's so tricky I get asked this before and I'm like I get asked it all the time what's your favorite song and why I mean how on earth are you going to answer it but up to Mm. you um god my favorite song it's so hard to pick because there's so many different. But I have been asked this question numerous times. And interestingly, what I have said a, a good few times is your party piece is Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Get away. Yeah, I love that song. It is a beautiful really, song. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. But then there's like, there's dance songs that I love mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And there's certain ones that I'm like, oh, like I love Ayla um, mm. still. Um and I remember it was the last song that I played on Pulse FM, the day of the close down. Wow. So it kind of has that in me. And I always kind of, I remember hearing it in a club in Spain, I think, you know, a while after that. And it was like this really big club. And they had all these lasers in the roof. And then the cl- the kind of the, the smoke was coming out over them. And it's just like, because there's thunder in that track. And I remember seeing it live and I was like, oh, like this yeah. is so, probably Ayla. And Paul Simon. Yeah. Like, and so, of her shoes. So, so far different. apart. Yeah, but that's so brilliant because I, like, I suppose my next... But you're the kind of DJ now that would probably mix them together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know? You wouldn't know where you'd be going. <laughs> you know, but like, how'd she know? 
What's your favorite songs? How did she know? Oh, Hillary, thanks. Speaking of how do you know, do you feel like there's an intuition that goes with DJing? Like an intuition in the sense that you can read a crowd, not just by facial expressions, but by energy. Do you feel, do you feel like there's an, like, yeah, my question is, yeah, do you feel like there's an intuition that goes with DJing? There probably is. And then I think, you know, because everybody sort of says, oh, and I touched on this earlier, just feel, feel the music, never plan A. But I like to kind of plan out. It's like, mm. I'm not comparing myself to a band, but if a band went on stage, they wouldn't go, we'll just see how we feel, lads. We'll just swing it. We'll, mm. what's, we'll decide what song's going to do. And because I'm doing it so often, mm. I, you know, you're nine times out of 10, you're like, I know that works and I know that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Especially it's easier because I'm playing in the same country. Mm-hmm. I think it's when you go abroad, that's completely different. Mm. You know, like I played in Australia years ago and... I was, I remember playing in Melbourne with Pop Bellies and it was so weird. Like everyone stands with their back to you and they're, yeah. And it's like this really big club. We're on this big stage and they all stood with their back. And I remember I was like, and Johnny and Pop Bellies was like, don't be alarmed. They'll stand with their back to you. And I was like, what's that about? Now it could have just been this particular club. I don't, I was like, this is weird. And then all of the music that I thought would go, that goes down here at the time, did not go down well over there. Wow. Okay. And I was like, right, but because most of my gigs now are here and they're maybe every week, I'm like, I know that works and I know that doesn't. Yeah. So I kind of, and I would, if I was, obviously if you're there, you can feel if it's not working and you're like, mm-hmm. right, I need to change this up. But in general, I kind of have a plan and I kind of stick to it, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's, everyone says that's wrong, but... Sure, I know DJs who pre-mix the feckin' thing and aren't even playing it. And they're like, oh no, see how you feel, man. I'm like, you've already pre-mixed that. I would never do that. Yeah, I just kind of like yeah. to kind of go, like I could I could spend two weeks picking an intro that I'm going to start a set with just to get the right intro. Love it. Because that sets the, the tone completely. Yeah. And if that's not, hasn't enough of an impact, well then I just think the whole thing is a bit, eh. I would have had loose guidelines. I would never have picked a set song by song by song, mm. ever. I never did that. Mm. But I would have had like, here's what I'm starting with, like maybe a bunch of stuff. And then I would kind of snowball off from that. And I was like, Here, yeah. here's the middle part of my set. And I would have a bunch of stuff picked for that and then just let it kind of snowball off that. And then I was like, here's what I'm finishing with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I never, I wouldn't have been specific in every single song, but I would have had a, a rough guideline for the for the outline of the set, you know. The finishing tune, I think, is one of the hardest. And, and, the and it's my favorite. Last song. Yeah, and it's my favorite. But it's like trying to. There's so there's a couple of songs that are obvious finishers, and you're like, I don't want to finish with that. It's so bloody obvious. I don't want to finish yeah. with that. What like? Do you know? Can you think of like what were some of your ones that you? I don't mean to put you on the spot here now. It's your podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, people like the obvious ones sometimes are like, yeah, bloody born slippy or something. You're like, oh, like it's just so. Oh, I, there's but. there's one that did I used to play quite a bit, and that was when I was playing a mix of like hip hop and soul and funk and stuff, and I used to finish out actually a lot with uh, uh, Lionel Richie all night long. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And I and I used to work it into house sets as well. That would obviously. never not work to be fair. It, it you know because it was it it always felt like even the story of the song lent itself to it because it was all night long. You know what I mean? I'm going to be doing that for all my sets now. I'd be like she's playing all night Richie. Oh, I love it. Cuz I I played like any like I have I have a gig coming up in a few weeks and I was like, god, I said, would I be really out there and finish at Riverdance? Right. And Kel went, no. 
Jesus, no. And I said, I said, you know what? It'll either, I said, it'll either like go down a bomb or yeah. it won't. And yeah. I was like, oh, it just, like, is it worth the gamble? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh. I don't, I don't know like it's just so like it's one of those unexpected yeah, that you might they'll either crease themselves laughing and be like yes or else they'll be like what or they'll be like happened? get off get yeah. off so um, yeah I haven't made a decision on that yet but it's funny actually when, when I said to you about the favourite gig and the Sligo thing and I kind of had worked out in my head what I was going to play and then suddenly I was in the car and everything the time changed whatever and Kel said to me, look, I really think you should need to throw in a bit of ABBA. I said, absolutely not. I said, I'm not stooping to that level. <laughs> I said, if they don't like the set, they don't like the set. And she was like, I just think that would kind of appease everyone. And I was like, I am not doing that. Then we were back in the hotel room. I was going through my music on my laptop, seeing what I had. And I said, I, I have a remix of Gimme Gimme. And she was like, throw it in. I went, oh, I said, don't film it. Whatever you do, I don't want that up online. Did, did it work? Holy God, like uh, it, was, yes. it was the tune of the night uh, I was suddenly out the front so I was like yeah I know you're like Kelly are you getting this film it film it I know like, she did film it in the uh, end and I was like but that was all then to her so yeah but she oh, never yes. know but yeah anyway but my river dance still might have an outing who knows Ooh. I've, do you know what I'm feeling I won't now because you didn't even light up for it so I'm like no, I don't I think know I, need it. I don't I'm sorry I'm I sorry I don't it. know I'll be sending you a video of me getting things thrown at me <laughs> On stage, I'd be like, "Look, no, do you I, know tr- what I, I tried my silence. I, my silence tried to." Tell I might do Mariah, Oh Holy Night. Oh, Gemma's wouldn't, Gemma's version. Wouldn't that be lovely? That'd be great beautiful. at the end of a festival. It'd be beautiful. People would be weeping. Celebrate People would be weeping. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of weeping at songs, are there songs that you just tune into that really touch an emotional core within you, and then in a beautiful way? Like you know, some people go, "Why are you crying? Is are you sad?" I'm like, "No, it's just amazing." Are there songs yeah. that do that to you? There's de- yeah, there's definitely songs. I mean, lately, funny, it's a it's one of your own, uh, Talos. Um, <gasps> Very his good. latest um, All Ours which I don't know if I'm the only one playing it but I feel like I am because I'm literally playing it off the wall I wow, love it but the first time I heard that I was in the car and I when I had opened my emails and listened and I just started bawling crying it's one of those but it's like I've listened to it loads of times and I'm, I hate to say I don't even know what it's about um, yeah. it's one of those but, but it touches a, something in you oh, it's it's a real spiritual kind of like mm. oh like I still love that and then there was another we went to France for my 40th by the way just recently <laughs> not my 43rd um, we went to the 8th of April 1982 um, and when we were over there um, I bought like loads of records when we were there and just loads they just such a great selection over in France that you wouldn't really get here mm. and I bought a load of bits and pieces but one I bought was um, by this German producer Christian Loeffler and it was Parallels the shellac reworks so they were all he was given all this like classical music from the 1930s wow that was recorded on these shellac discs so for like a gramophone yeah. and then only a while back I think um, this place over there had digitised what they could of the recordings and then he got access to them and told you can do whatever you want with these it was just like incredible like real classical music pieces like even like Beethoven and Bach and all are on this and then he has like this kind of like a it's like a choir but it nearly feels like a 
like a Gregorian chant kind of and oh. he's taken the original bit and then he's put like a really like melodic techno little thing behind it and you can even hear like I thought I was like that's a new record why does it sound like that I thought it was the new, but it's actually it's the crackle in the original it's the jump oh, in the original see I love it's, that and they left it in so it's still there so you think there's something wrong with your needle but it's not beautiful I listened to it last Friday I was sitting out there just in the rave cave in the afternoon and I just put it on and I just I tears streamed it but like go, happy tears yes I yeah. love kind of I'm kind of drawn to sad music but I think a lot of people are but it, it, like it's it, like you said, it can be a therapy. It can it can facilitate something that resonates in your body to come out, you know, mm. and whether that's through weeping or dancing or laughing or whatever it is. Great. Whatever works for you. Just when you said chanting there, that's what I mean. You laugh at my playlist and my playlists are all spiritual chanting. Oh, nice. Yeah. All kind of Aramaic songs like tibetan sh- buddhist monks chanting like that's oh, lovely that's what i tune into on a daily basis and i just love it like i wouldn't be playing it in the set or anything like <laughs> you wouldn't be finishing on it i wouldn't be finishing on it maybe <laughs> one of them maybe but i love it it really that's the stuff that i just kind of ah uh, i just let it work through my body it's really it's a different way that i'm listening to things now i think maybe maybe that was part of the reason why i stopped listening to music at that time a couple of years ago and now I've come back into it in this more I don't know in a weird way I want to say embodied way yeah, it probably is sense. actually because you're kind of feeling it and thinking about it more maybe than than you did before I think so and I think I used to look at it more as a work thing as well so that was yeah. nice to separate that out entirely I know you've a, a different slightly different perspective of it but for me I think it was a work thing I knew that I wasn't going to stay in DJing for the rest of my life so maybe that's what I had to shut the door on a bit so now coming back into it it's a very much an embodied thing it's like almost like a tool that I use you know to progress in my day but it, do, it kind of like it flushes things kind of out of you or whatever I don't know I there's a, there's a thing but I, I to be fair I'm not I don't know what I'm a very emotional I cry an awful lot anyway I'm not I don't have to be very upset I think my emotions are always very high so it takes nothing yeah. well it's actually it's not it's like I think it is I think it is I think no, it's no there's, do you know what there's a beautiful there's, there's like a there's a line and I'm way past it so if someone <laughs> said to me like could you read that out about a complete stranger that I've never met I'm like <laughs> And I can't, I can't, I just, yeah, I can't I even get the words. Like, you know, I couldn't even, and it's not a sad occasion. Like I couldn't even read like, um, you know, one of the, whether it's a prayer or something at someone's wedding even. Oh yeah. Like, and that's not even, I'm like, I'll start crying because I'll get the emotion <laughs> of it. will hit me even though it's not emotional. And you just kind of, and you know, just something bad about that. But you think given that I do it so often, it would just, there'd be nothing left, but there's always something. Because you always look again on the public stage uh, like very calm and collected. It's a very good act you got going no. on. I love that. You do though, because you play big crowds. You're very calm, very collected, very in control. You know, no. so it's a nice, um, wow. I'm always shaking. Like I'm just like, just kind of get like my adrenaline gets so high and then mm. I'm so anxious and then I'm like, and then my head starts twitching. I'm like, I'm just... I'm just shaking do like you, I need to kind of do you enjoy it at all like <laughs> I actually do, do you... <laughs> this is are you all right Jen you okay hon? <laughs> yeah I'm quite I'm just I suppose I'm quite a um I'm quite a shy person like I'm not I'm good with people I know really well mm-hmm. but other than that I like 
I'm I'm very like I hide behind Kel if we go out anywhere. I'm not like yeah. I'm not overly. Um, I am sociable, but only to small groups of people I know I'm really well. Same. I'm terrible in a big group, mm. but everyone looks at you and goes, "Ah, oh, Hillary, great crack," and this yeah. even that's a pressure. It's funny, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm especially the same when you used to do those. Group. Like uh, before even the unbelievable success of Young Offenders, which mm. to this day, I'm always like, that's my friend. Nah. I'm so proud. Like, it's so proud. Thank it's you, the sweetie. best thing that has ever been on Irish TV, mm. ever. Bless and you. it just so doesn't look like something that was made in Ireland. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when you were doing like the sketches and stuff, um, oh, yeah. was it? The camera, sh- what was it called? Yeah, it was the- called The Fear. It was the hidden the fear. camera show, yeah. Like, the stuff you did on that. Wow. I was like, oh my God. So then people kind of think, oh, she's a, she's a head case. Like, she's mad. Or we played in one of the gigs after the Savoy. It was pre-Young Offenders. And yeah. I pre-The Fear, I think. And we were in McDonald's. Do you remember about... Oh my God, I remember About this. half three in the morning or yeah. something like that. Melody, yeah. like, sitting there. It was, um, I think there was three of us there. And someone's like, Handy Sandy! Yeah! And yeah. I was like, gosh, I was like, that's a bit much. Like, you know? But came, yeah, I suppose, you see, it's interesting because they think that you're the characters. They think that that, that kind of... That I wish you were Handy Sandy. <laughs> no, I joke and I don't. I don't. I'm only joking. Oh, Bless stop. her. There'd be no young offenders without her. She was like no. the, the forerunner of it all. Yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah, because it was quite experimental and it was very much like my kind of first foray onto screen work that uh, went viral so that's why I think there was a slight confusion as to who I was you know what yeah. I mean they people just because they hadn't really seen much of me on screen before as an actor presumed that I was that character yeah so it took a while to kind of I suppose shake that or go no I'm not I'm, I'm just an, I'm just an actor I was an actor playing that what know? was it like though for you when because you live in Cork and it's filmed in Cork and I still like, get it. I, that's what I was thinking because, like, you must just get stopped all the time. I do, I do, because and it's not even like you were. You looked like you're, like you kind of, like you weren't that changed for the show that people wouldn't recognize. It's not like you different color hair or something, or you know. Yeah, I was only threatening the other day that I might actually dye my hair blonde. Because <laughs> oh, even wow. for the young offenders, like it's still. Uh, I mean, I suppose the last time it went to air was twenty twenty. Was that the last time the season three went to air? I think it was. was so yeah. yeah, you know, so we're kind of two years past it. And um, I suppose it, it does have reruns quite a bit. So it's still fresh in the kind of public mind. But every time I go out, every time. Well, particularly, I'd say, if you're in the English market, are they are they like, Maraid, get oh, us two plates there and a bit of hick. Stop. I That's go, probably the worst bit. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, it's funny. <laughs> you know, I was only talking to Chris and Alex the other day uh, who play um, Connor and Jock. And uh, Alex said, you know, he still has people kind of going to him if he orders in a restaurant. Are you getting the chicken? Are you? Oh, God. And, he, and because it's so long ago for him and for us that filmed, we forget all about it. But it's very fresh in people's minds. So, like, you know, sometimes people would go to me, oh, you got fish and chips takeaway there. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I have none. Like, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't think of the storyline or I wouldn't think of the characters and... It's just not fresh in your mind because even <laughs> whenever we saw it, you would have done it ages before that. Yeah, again. Of course, yeah. And then you got Roy Keane. Oh, he was amazing. And I begged you. I begged you. I was like, I'm not asking. I was like, can I please, can I please have it? If you have a nightclub scene, can I be in the background oh. on the decks? And you were like, look, 
yeah, if we have one, I was like, just put one in, put one in, or I'll just, I'll just be in the background. You know? I kept saying to Peter, I was like, how are we going to get him in there? How are we going to get her in? Like, <laughs> if it comes back, you're going into it. If it comes back, you're definitely well, I have it on in. record now. Yeah, back in, I'm go. in. There you go. But Roy Keane, oh, like... Yeah, that was cool, actually. I think it was through um, a crew member and um, found out, like, oh, yeah, he's a really big fan. And we were like, really? Okay. And he was so cool. He was so chill and so cool and so funny and so engaging and just awesome. Like, he was as awesome as you think he might be if you're a fan. Like, um, Amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant. But this so back there might, to you. There back. might be another season anyway. You kind of alluded to that. Come here. You're, this is, I'm interviewing you, all right? All right? Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that now. You can save that one for 2FM now. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, back to the boring questions. Oh, go uh, on. Um, do you think that there is magic in music? I think there's, yeah, I think, well, I'd say there's magic in certain music and, you know, good, in good music. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely something. I think when it all comes together, and it's you know, I often certain music or songs I listen to, and I'm like, God, isn't it mad to think someone came up with that themselves? Like yeah. it's that it's that like complex. Oh, like, and I hear certain songs, and I'm like, God, how must they have felt after they did that? Like they they made that. Yeah, that's here forever now. You oh, know. Yeah. And there's very few that do that to you, but there's certain ones that you're like, God, that is a masterpiece you know absolutely and I always think as well the magic for me is when you know you listen to a song that you haven't heard in a while and it takes you back to a period of time in your life yeah it's like music is a time machine as well you know yeah where it's and like, songs even that you it will bring you back to a time you're like god I used to play that on repeat whether it's 10 or 12 years ago and then you mm. play it and you're like god I'm not that mad in it anymore mm. or it depends like yeah it but it does this, yeah the cycles of your life yeah 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 mm. Um, what do you stand for, Jenny Green? Wow, that's like I'm putting do it I, there. Are you giving me any pointers here as to what no. What do I stand what, for? What does Jenny Green stand for? God, that's a that's a very broad question. Now. I'm just trying to think. Um, on the deepest level, then let's get into that. On the deep, oh god, on the deepest level, I'm just gonna dive right in, babe. Uh, <laughs> think what do I say and then I don't want to offend anyone like what do I stand for I just I suppose there's, there's an awful lot of I just think the world the world these days is a very um different place to what it used to be and it just feels like I don't know you're constantly worried or something or you're worried about doing the right thing or saying the right thing or mm. and all those sort of things and I just don't engage in any of that and you know and I I like I probably li- live in the in the past in that way where where our when we were younger our lives were a lot simpler and I try and keep that mm. as much as I can now and stay away from all of the other stuff and like just the online the influencer I, just, I don't get any of that I don't mm. I don't get how that's a job I don't get how it's a career mm. I know that people will hate me saying that but it's just it's just so vacuous the whole thing I just can't get my head around it you mm. know um and I think I stand for everything that is not that. Wow. Yeah. Which, and I know that mightn't be popular with a lot of people. No, but, but that's the strength of that. Yeah. Like even you saying it and saying that that mightn't be the popular thing. That's the strength of it. Like, it, you know, that you're standing by it. I just wonder, you know, 
a lot of things have always have a shelf life. I don't know if this influencer stage has a shelf life. Mm. Feels like it doesn't, unfortunately. Mm. But and I feel like it's it's seeping into every avenue, and it's not real life. None of it's yeah. real. And yeah. I know a lot of these people who mm. couldn't have a conversation with you. They were like, hi. Can't even look you in the eye, and they're like super confident on. So, guys, everyone's been asking me, you know, where I got my hair done, and I'm like, firstly, no one's been asking you, and you're not like that at all. Do you know? I'm like, it's just. I love. I'm that. more it's amazed at the people who follow this crap and think, you know, I'm like, why are you looking at this? It's it's rubbish. Like, there's I, better things out there to do with your day. I think you, I could distill what you stand for down into a word. I might be wrong, oh, but God. I think no, honesty. I'm very honest You are very honest Maybe too honest mm, No I don't think so I th- That's always like You're very honest And I, I've always loved that about you oh, Well Thank you <laughs> you know, Because, because and it's In a sense if you go further with that With honesty You know where you stand with a person And it makes you yeah. feel safe I feel safe with a person I feel safe having a conversation with you Because I think you're a very honest person do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I I can't. It's kind of, it's a good thing and a bad thing because I I lack the capability of being fake, which sometimes in this industry you need a little bit of, and even in life you do. You can't just be nice to the people that you like. You have to sometimes just put up with people a little bit. Yeah. But I find it hard to hide it. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, I find yeah, it hard yeah, to be like, like, hey, how's it going? People are like, just be polite, be friendly, and whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I just I can't do it. Yeah, I just can't stand that person. I can't stand what they stand for, and I'm just—I yeah, don't know. have it in me. I know, I know. I feel the same. My good friend Dom, who plays um, uh, Sergeant Ely in The Young Offenders. Oh yeah, he always says to me, like we're very close, like, and he always says to me, Hillary, you're very good at. Um, I'm trying to remember what way he put it. Um, he's like, if you, if if I didn't know you. And I was put in a room with you and another person and you didn't like that person. I wouldn't realize that you didn't like that person. What? Yes. But he said, because I know you and, and, and the way he, Dom has a beautiful way with words. He goes, because I know you and I know what it feels like to bask in your warmth. If, if, if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't know that. I would think th- I would think that you that you that you liked that person, whereas I wouldn't I wouldn't like the person I'm talking to. He was like, you're so very it's very good clear when someone is not basking in the warmth, <laughs> but you're not like being nasty to I'm, them. Exactly, exactly. I need it's to learn quite, a bit of that. It's kind of like a political front yeah. where it can be quite charming, but yeah. uh, but it was he pointed it out to me actually. I didn't even kind of fully fully realize that that was. That Here's that was the way either, you know. I'm going to have to keep an eye out now next time. I, uh, yeah, everyone's going to be like, who does she like and who does she not like now? Who's basking in her warmth and not? That? I feel like, does anyone else feel like they're basking over here? I do a little bit. Has anyone got some water? I'm basking a bit too much. There's a glow coming off her. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm overheating from it. Yeah. Oh my God, I know. Stop I know. basking me, will you? Give me a break. <laughs> I need to get my sunglasses on. There's a bit of basking going on over here. Oh, stop. <laughs> God bless Dom. He's brilliant. He's got such an amazing way with words like basking in your warmth. I was like, who says that? <laughs> I know. It's lovely though. Isn't it beautiful? Do you know, that should be your autobiography. Basking in my warmth. <laughs> so people, yeah. people people, then who, who, who hadn't previously basked in my warmth would be like, so that's the way it works. Okay, well, I didn't get any of that from her. <laughs> you know, Basking in my warmth. They'd be like, what kind of book is this? Yeah. <laughs> is there pictures? 
couple of photos in the middle. Oh, thanks. Is she sunbathing? Wait a second. <laughs> Where's that glow actually coming oh, from? <laughs> oh, man, we could go on. All right. No, back to you. We're going to come back to you. Um, if you were to distill yourself down to an essence, what would that essence be? I don't know. Genuinely. Herbal. Herbal. Herbal essences. No. Um, what does that mean in English? Actually, like, speak to me. Speak to me like I'm stupid. <laughs> Maybe I am. I'll meet you halfway. No, actually, most people who responded to that did respond with a herbal essence. Like a, a few people oh. have said lavender, and I've gone amazing. Oh, oh, do you know what mine is? What? I don't think it's an essence though. Basil. Ah, oh, yeah. Li- like I literally have basil plants all over the house. The smell of it is yeah. ju- that is the happiest smell. There you go. There is. That and frankincense, not together, obviously. Yeah. But basil, and the only problem with basil is when it starts to go off, it smells like cat piss. Does it now? It can do. There's a very distinct smell of cat are you, pee. Are you sure you're just your cat just hasn't pissed on the basil? I'm positive. It's just, it's a very, it's when it's really fresh, it's amazing. But when it starts to get a bit wilted and a bit kind of, it can mm. smell a bit cat. But that to me, I would just bask. Uh, not just bask in the warmth of the basil I'm going to bask in the basil (laughs) that's your autobiography that's mine basking in basil basking in basil Um, have you ever uh, tried those combinations those kind of mint chocolate basil combinations those plants that you can get have you ever seen those it's a plant is it yeah oh I thought it was a cocktail no it sounds like a cocktail it'll end up in a cocktail 100% I've put it in a cocktail but it's like it's like a it's like a cross between basil and mint Mm. but it's got a chocolate flavour to it but it's a plant it's a plant honest to god I'll buy you one and I'll send it to you or drop you up yeah I have some in my garden it's very confusing I must say oh you're growing it yeah oh wow I it ended up like I put it in and I went that's like yeah it's very confusing but it is amazing Oh, I'll definitely try it. Now, I hope it doesn't dry out by the time it gets to Dublin because then it'll smell like happy when I open it. <laughs> I'll be like, there's the smell. There it is. I'll be like, you can post it back down. Like, this is the smell I was talking like, about. Have a sniff of this while you're basking <laughs> in your glow. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. I'm going to have to edit that bit out. I don't, no, please leave that in. Do not edit that out. It's the best bit. Okay, what's the wildest thing you've ever done? And I know when I t- I gave I gave you this question beforehand because I was like, this question is catching people, and you were like, Hillary, there's things that I cannot say. No, no, definitely not. I'd say there's things that no, like it's like between my my job and my parents who may tune in. Um, we'll leave that one there. Right. And then when I when I ruled out one or two other things, I said, what have I done? And then I thought, oh, I've thought of a great one. That's so stupid and wild but I didn't well it's not that I didn't give any thought leaving my job with no plan yes given everything I've told you about what a worrier I am I walked out of two FM and went ah sure I'm sure I'll find something and wow I was I was out of work for three months sitting at home going I remember being what shocked have I done? when you yeah I remember being shocked you put it up yeah. on your Instagram I think and I remember being or something I don't know I commented on it somewhere and I was like yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a shocker, but brilliant. Mm. But again, well, again, it goes back to what do you stand for? And that was a really honest response. You stood in your strength and you stood in your honesty and went, this, is not, this isn't what I want. Yeah, I think, I think it was like, I was shocked 
sort of when the change up happened. Mm. I wasn't, I didn't see it coming. It was a different time. It was pre-COVID. Uh-huh. So our lives are completely different. And I suddenly th- thought, it's not about ego or I don't mind where, where I am or what I'm doing. Yeah. But I just went, if I'm working late at night and Kel's working during the day and I'm working at the weekends, mm. then what have I got? Nothing. Mm. I've nothing. And I thought that was, it was literally boiled down to that. Like the last thing I wanted to do was leave there. I love being there. I've been there 15 years. It's oh. kind of, you know, I'm there longer than I've been anywhere else. And I kind of always see myself as as being there, yeah. touch wood, hopefully. Yeah. But I felt like I don't have another op- option at the moment other than to go. Mm. Um, because I don't think I can live like that. I'll be miserable, mm. you know. But, you know, then things changed. And then, you know, then I went back, which I... I kind of to this day went did that actually did that actually happen it's amazing though but again you Stop stood it. in your you stood in your truth and then you I know, know but I wasn't time. it must it must have been frightening for that kind of period of time where you were like shit what there was I moments do? like because I had done the exact same thing weirdly enough years previous to that when I worked in F104 okay and I won't go into why but things were changing and contracts were changing and I said you know if I'm gonna walk I have to walk now or I won't ever be able to walk I won't be able to get out of this contract yeah and I took a chance and I said I'm gonna walk and I remember I was still living at home at the time so I was very lucky I didn't have a mortgage or anything like that and I remember my mum was like you're right you know stand your ground and my dad was like you did what and I went I know I said but I I felt like I had no choice because I wouldn't have a choice after that if I didn't just do it and I I did it and then that afternoon, John Clark, who was the head of 2FM at the time, was on holidays in Portugal. Heard from someone else, because radio has so many little radio heads in it. They yeah. all talk and whatever. Yeah. Heard from someone else, they left 104. He said, are you out of contract? I said, I am. He said, I'm back in the country on Monday. Don't take any offers. I'll find you something. And wow. I was like, wow. I was like, what offers? Like, I only That's the only place I want to work is 2FM. So it paid off then. But as I say, fast forward years later with a lot more at stake. Mm. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. You know, I thought I can get a job somewhere if I have to. I'm still DJing Mm. as well. But that was kind of where my head was at. But I I think the, yeah, going back was kind of, I I felt bad nearly going back. I was like, after making this big, I'm going. I was like, actually, I'm coming back. But I'm so happy that I did go back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It really changed it up. And yeah, that was the, that's, wild. that's wild. It was wild. And I, I think, you know, the, the reason it didn't suit before had my priorities. And I think everyone's had changed during COVID. We were like, we can make this work and here's how we'll make it work. Yeah. And, you know, and we've managed to find that balance. But it is still tough. But it's mm. I, I love what I'm doing now. And I'm very lucky. And, you know, I hopefully won't be making any more wild rash decisions no I'll be i'd rather just bask in, <laughs> in your glow instead ba- bask in your basil <laughs> uh, what's the one thing every day that you do to help that helps you keep, live wild and free god it's the one thing i do every day i don't know if i do anything that helps me live wild I and free i know what it is what is it listen to music well, I, I was going to say, is that too obvious? Yeah. Well, I'm doing that anyway because I have to for work. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like literally. Nah, 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 nah. Um, it, to be fair, it, do, it definitely does help. So yeah, maybe, mm. it's, maybe it is that. But it's literally the only thing I do all day other than shower. So and it's s- one of them or uh, both. And smell your basil. <laughs> 
<laughs> Give us a sniff of your bottle there, will you? <laughs> if Kel was here now, that conversation would spin off wildly. Oh, stop. <laughs> she, loves, she loves a bit of bottle as well, to be fair to her. <laughs> On that note, Jenny Green. You know, we've been talking for, ooh, I don't know, an hour and a bit. Oh my God, we've been talking for nearly two hours. You said aloud two hours. I said, geez, what? I said, I've got, I have a window cleaner coming at four and I have to clean the house. <laughs> I was like, I haven't even done my music yet. I thought you were winding me up. But there you yeah. go. We've been talking for nearly two hours and I could talk for another hour, except I really got to pee. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> me too. What are you going to have to cut this down to though? That's the bigger question. I don't think I'll cut it down. I like if people want to listen, they want to listen. And I think it's a really for me, it's been a really engaging, fun conversation. So I'm sure people will find it that way. And you know, what? if they don't find it funny, they let you know pretty quickly. Do you know what I mean? That's the honesty of people. Do you know, exactly. Don't don't turn this on. It's two hours. You won't get back. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny, thank you. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant and illuminating and lovely. And thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, I've loved it and thank you and um, by the way that basil chocolate mint mashup yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> mashup I love it